Good afternoon. It's 12 o'clock on Saturday, the 14th of October, 2017. It must be Reading Rocks Live. This is Reading Rocks 2017. This is Reading Rocks 2017. Broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rocks Now with Russell Proof. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. Hello and a very good afternoon to you, listener. Thank you so much for joining us. It's me, Russell Prue, with you right the way through this afternoon until three o'clock. Oh my goodness, have I got a show and a half for you. We've got all the gossip, all the chat, and we've got some interviews with some really very interesting people. Joining me later on the show, Professor Teresa Kremin. Oh my goodness, she has the brain the size of a planet and some great ideas to go with that as well. We're bringing you all the gossip, all the information, We are phoning educators at home to ask them why they didn't come. And no, we asked them why they didn't come because they couldn't get a ticket. We are oversubscribed, listeners. You can't believe 250 people on the waiting list. And I hope that you are enjoying the show right now, wherever you are. Of course, you won't need to know that you can download this on your mobile phone and listen to it anywhere across the planet. I'll be looking to see where we have listeners in a short while. And we're giving some shout outs to the countries around the world that are tuning in some great content as well some great ideas uh, as well we've got uh, a school down in southampton uh tarig i'm going to chat with him deputy head teacher there and head of school who's got a night bus from harry potter into his playground and doing some interesting stuff there we're also touching base with all the kind of latest pedagogy and the latest techniques of how to engage young people in reading for pleasure rfp you'll hear that a lot during our interviews today first up is dan worsley and he is up in a very short space of time i just need to let you know how to get in contact with us today we're taking some live callers but only phone when asked to do so write the number down now if you can please listeners you can phone me later on today on 0208 if you're calling from a mobile that's the best number to use that's 0208 if you're calling from a laptop Landline. These calls to this line are free from most landlines in the United Kingdom, and it's 0845 838 7005. But remember, listeners, only call when asked to do so, please can't take your calls whilst I'm live on air like this and I'll ask you to call us while I'm playing a pre-record or maybe a track or something. Do let me know if you want to hear some music. You can uh, tag me in a Twitter and a tweet at Russell Prue to S is two L's P-R-U-E. You can send me a text on your mobile phone to 85010. Remember each text message needs to start with the word radio and then anything you like in there. We've got some great music already lined up on the show but I have my library with me and i'd be quite happy to play you something special something of a book-esque nature if you tickles your fancy this afternoon i'd be very happy to do that for you as well so coming up on the show 
Dan Worsley is with us just shortly. I've got an interview with Frank Cottrell Boyce. Oh my goodness, he's absolutely stunning and a little poorly with his voice, but the uh, writer of Goodbye, Christopher Robin, we'll be playing some music from that show as well. Um, Aidan Severs, uh, Lee Parkinson, Dr. Mary Roach. I'm going to have a whole hour with her from one o'clock. So if you are dialing in to listen to Mary, do tune in for it's the Mary Hour from one o'clock. And we've also got young librarians here from year six they are here live they're out news gathering for me at the moment and they will be in the studio we're going to do a couple of book reviews but they're also capturing the the essence of what the conference means for them as consumers as our customers i know can you believe it a cpd conference with customers with young people here you just can't make it up it's brilliant it's innovative and it is reading rocks 2017 welcome to the show dan Warsley is with you next this is how you can get in touch join the conversation on twitter just use the hashtag reading rocks underscore one seven listeners i just love it when we get to this part of the show on the line i have dan worsley or little dan from blackpool as he's known how are you and welcome to reading rocks live this year I'm absolutely fantastic, and I can't believe it's been a year since we talked at Reading Rocks. Where 15. has that time gone? It's a blink of an eye, Dan, the blink of an eye, and here we are again. Amazing. And uh, such an exciting conference as well. So what have you been up to since we last met? Well, it's been a, a roller coaster year, which really, for, for an author from Blackpool, that's quite fitting. Um, I've had the most amazing ride. It's been amazing. Um, I've visited schools all over the Northwest. I think now we're up to, well, well over 100 schools. Uh, I've visited since this adventure started three and a bit years ago. Um, and I'm on my fourth book, um, Eric Appleby Danger Zone, was launched in July. So that's a sequel to Eric Appleby Zero to Hero. Sure. Um, and and I've been um, touring that through across the libraries, uh, across the Blackpool and the Fire Coast over the summer. Uh, and now the schools are back. Uh, I'm back in telling stories. Um, I'm running assemblies, inspiring children uh, and, and writing. So it's just fantastic. It really is fantastic. And I remember that from our last conversations. I rather liked the way that you were a travelling author. You had your head in lots of schools. You're really immersed in the, the kind of um, uh, topics and issues that are surrounding colleagues now. Um, we've got, you know, a pretty tough Key Stage 2 SATS test now. It's a, an hour-long paper with three really juicy texts. Now, notwithstanding the findings of a research panel from last year's SATS that said that this was an average reading age content for 14-year-olds. What on earth we're supposed to do with 9 and 10-year-olds? I have no idea. How, you know, the, 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 the challenge is significant for people like yourself to try and inspire and get young people engaged in text. Uh, how on earth do we cope with this particularly? And, and I, I wanted to ask you uh, particularly about boys uh, and content for that. Cause, and, you, and we said this last year. It's good to have a blokey author. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Because I think young gentlemen connect really well with you. 
right, if we if we pull that apart into a couple of, a couple of different uh, areas, so if we if we take the 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 reading test for a start, and I think visiting so many schools, you see a lot of different approaches, and and I see schools that they create a, a, a real reading for pleasure mm. uh, ethos within the school, and I think if you can get children reading for pleasure, I think then you you foster that love of reading, and and whatever the text is that comes up on the sats i think the children read it and they will try to get some enjoyment from it and i think that is really important i think if you are literally hammering a text into the children then i think that's when they they become they, 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 they don't engage and, yeah. and they love that love of reading so i think it's it's it's, it's getting that love of reading and that real pleasure um, and, and I think if that happens, and I don't think you're a million miles away. Um, as for the challenge, I think, yeah, we do need an element of challenge when we're reading, because I think we learn new vocabulary and mm. we learn new phrases. So I think challenge is good, but it's, fi- it's that fine line, because if you're testing for a child's understanding of a text, and it's got to be age appropriate. So yeah, that, I can see. I can see. You know, I've, I've definitely heard about the feedback and, and picked up bits about that. If we go into boys reading and we're, and we're looking at getting getting boys engaged, I think schools now do a lot of great things because when I go in, when when I ask children, you know, what are you reading? And I get a lot of children, not just particularly boys, who talk to me about non-fiction books. Um, because I think when we think reading, we think about our, our novels and, mm. and uh, you know our wordy text. Mm. But then I think we, the one the one thing that that springs up a lot of times when I talk to, and in particular boys, mm. is the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah, and they absolutely love those little sound like little little bite-sized chunks mm. of text and information, and you've got some illustrations in there. So I, I think that's one way uh, of going at it with the boys. I also think graphic novels. Um, they they're fantastic, and and it's a step from your comics, you know, your Beano mm. and stuff like that. Um, now, personally, if I look at it the way I write, I write what I would class as chapter books. So you may have twenty three chapters, but that's only maybe a hundred, hundred and ten pages in a book. Right. So you've got these little accessible chapters, and you may read four chapters, and you've only maybe done twelve pages, but there's that sense of achievement. And I see those, that's almost, I see that a stepping stone reading. So you're getting the children onto your next stage where you've got your novels and you, you've got your longer text. Um, and, and I think it's, it's got to be a process. It's like riding a bicycle. You won't get on a bike for the first time and try and do the Tour de France. You get on a bike and, you know, build up that confidence and, and get going. And then you'd move on to something, you know, that is more of a challenge. And I think reading is not different. No, I think that's right. I want to pick that up with you in just a second. We're chatting live with Dan double underscore Worsley. And that's you want to follow him on Twitter. I remember being absolutely tickled to death with that. So that's at Dan double underscore Worsley. And you can Twitter and you can talk to him right now on Twitter. And we're back with him after this one. I want to pick up the discussion about the Guinness World Book of Records. Just a second. Don't go anywhere. Join the conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag reading rocks underscore one seven. This is Reading Rocks 2017, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rocks Now with Russell Proof. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. 
And we're back with Dan in just a short while. It's 11 minutes past 12. You're listening to me, Russell. Time for some music now. This is Jules Holland and Prince Buster. I just so love this. It's Ah, just love that. Prince Buster himself and the fabulous Jules Holland there. Enjoy yourself. I hope you're just doing that this afternoon. We've got young people standing by in the studio for their brief report and a book report. Dan Worsley, part two, is coming in just a second. Don't forget, we'd like to hear from you. So if you'd like to tweet us, text us, you can email us. All of those contacts across the board there. I want to say hello to Ian Rocky, who has just retweeted. Thanks very much, Ian. Listening down in Wiltshire. It's nice that we've got some listeners down there as well. Let me know where you're listening from anywhere on the planet and we'll give you a shout out and hello there as well mpg media hello to you thank you so much for your tweet keep them coming you can text us as well our text number is 85010 remember to start every message with the word radio otherwise phil and fern are likely to get them as well if you want to mention it's the only way to do it just coming up to 15 minutes past 12 and here's dan part two And we're back with Dan Worsley, live on the telephone. Dan, thanks so much for hanging on there as well. If you want to communicate with Dan, he is at Dan double underscore Worsley, top uh, children's author and a travelling author, and that's what I like so much about him. Dan, thanks very much indeed. We were just talking there about novels and the size of pages and the chapters and the layout affecting the engagement level as well. I also said something really interesting about Guinness World Book of Records and and that being a really good lead-in, Particularly for boys as well. Tell me some more about that. Why do you think they engage in that? Is it is it the picture to word ratio, or is it just the technical content that's in there? Um, I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head with both. I think it's an element that you, you're not overfaced by a huge page of text, and and it, it's a really fantastic glossy book, and you've got lots colour pictures and you've also got lots of pictures that are quite quite sort of weird and wacky some of them and, yeah. and some of the, the actual records are, are, are mind blowing and I think that I mean I remember when I was teaching it and many children used to come to me and, and, and again quite a few lads used to come over with the book and they'd have it open at a certain page Mr Worsley look at this look at and they were fascinated you know they were fascinated and then they flicked through wait a minute let me show you this so I think being real and factual i think almost that that hooked them and and i think maybe that sort of factual side to it just just i gave it the edge I, i'm not sure but i it did guinness world, world book of records i think is a winner definitely with the boys i really do uh but if you're also talking texts that, that, that do hook the boys i think if we're name checking i think bear grills and his books they really are they're, they're good and i've seen the uh, those books mentioned in quite a few schools um, and we've got to mention Mr Horowitz with his Alex Ryder action mm. books um, and, and uh, well it, it just it brilliant I've read a couple of those myself and, and he hooked me you know a boy at 41 so um, I, I think we've got we've got a real a real spread of text mm. um, but I, I think if we if we look at it from a writer's point of view I, I mean I'm, I can't speak for the writers but I think personally I don't write for a specific gender. I don't write with boys in mind or girls in mind. And I think if you ask most writers, then they would say that they write what they would want to read. And I think that is probably, that rings true with me. I write the books that I would like to sit down and Mm. read. Um, and, And ultimately, as writers, we put out those books and, and, 
You know, when I see queues of children waiting to, you know, for signed books, we have boys and we have girls. So, we, you know, they, they appeal to both genders. They really do. Some people are really quite sensitive, and and I think it's the gap that we're seeing. Girls are doing so much better in schools, and therefore people are trying to, in a proactive fashion, address that by you know creating spongy seating areas that are that appeal to uh, males a little more than girls, and, and 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 it's almost a positive discrimination we're kind of asking. And then, um, concerningly, one hears um, publishers attempting to influence authors content in their books and that may well be for some quite laudable marketing and sales reasons but it's quite concerning I have to say to hear some aspects of that you've got a solution to that though don't you Dan? Um, well I'm not sure it's a solution but I'm in a slightly different position I'm, I'm a self-published author mm. so I don't have anyone really calling the shots particularly I mean obviously I I, I go with my gut feeling and I, and I write what I think children will want to read and I have a real a real good bunch of people around me that I trust and I trust to read those stories and give me honest feedback mm. and and I think as a group we 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 put those books out there thinking that they will appeal to a wide range of readers we don't ever put those books out there thinking we're targeting boy readers or we're targeting girls <clears throat> we write the books and we put them out there because ultimately you know children will read what they want to read and and, and it's got to be that free choice um but i have i mean my main character as i've just said to you is eric appleby and he's a boy um yet his arch nemesis in the story is a female so you know, again, it's it's something that I do try to work into the story. So you have got your female uh, characters and you have got your male characters. But on the other hand, you know, if you start to try to write a story where you've got someone directing you, I think that makes it very hard. And I think your creativity can be influenced, maybe not in a positive way. So I think you've got to go with your gut and you've mm. got to write what you write, what you write. And and I'm in a really lucky position that I have that freedom that I don't have anyone um, almost sort of any any persuasive influence or anything around me good I'm delighted to hear that and a very successful author and children's uh, just engage you I think that um, when I look at some of your work and just follow where you are and what you're doing you're really in there uh, sleeves rolled up and getting stuck in and I do like that uh, and not kind of doing it from afar. As ever, matey, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you're a real person and uh, just a delight to have on the show. Thanks so much. And I'm sorry you can't be here this year, um, but uh, you are here in spirit. There is no doubt about that. And thanks for contributing to our, our live show today. Just give us your Twitter handle because it sounds so much better when you say it. <laughs> My Twitter handle is Dan underscore underscore Worsley just couldn't double underscore it's all about the double underscore of course it is <laughs> double width i love it double 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 dan thanks so much for joining us on reading rocks live a real pleasure have yourself a great saturday afternoon and thanks so much for joining us once again thank you very much it's been a pleasure as always this is reading rocks 2017 hey guys i'm Demi lovato i'm jason derulo Join the conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag ReadingRocks underscore one seven. You're listening to Russell Crowe, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. I don't understand what's going on here.
And you're back with me live in the studio. It's 22 and a half minutes past 12 o'clock. Hello, good afternoon, wherever you are. And we've had some tweets in already. Big hello to Tom Sale, who is listening to Reading Rocks Live in Dubai. Well, I don't know what the weather likes is like there for you, Tom. Do let us know because we're having a really, really strange uh, weather uh, booster. Morning temperatures here in the UK around 20 degrees Celsius and it looks like going to 25 degrees Celsius almost across the UK this afternoon. And this is all to do with the back end of Hurricane Ophelia. Well, thank you so much, Ophelia. I don't think I've ever thanked an Ophelia before for that one. Uh, but thank you so much for that uh, because it's rather nice a little balmy as well. So here we are in the studio. I'm joined by some year six librarians and we'll be asking them in just a short while what that job entails. Two of them have got stars badges on and young Robbie doesn't have a badge, but we'll talk about that in a second. I have from year six, Savannah, Rihanna and Robbie. And first to Savannah, welcome to the show. Tell the listeners a little bit about why this is a very special reading school. Um, on well, sometimes in the year we have like the whole school will be based on one book, and we'll have a day where we can all come in dressed up as a person, a character from the book, and then after school sometimes we'll have a party, and then sometimes in the year, which a couple of weeks ago we had a big bedtime story where after school you can go home, you can put on your pajamas, you come back with a mug, and then you sit on the field, you read books, and you have hot chocolate and marshmallows. Now I can see the appeal there. The, the marshmallows and hot chocolate may well do it, but that's really good. Rihanna, anything else to add to that? How, how, how young were you at this school when you really got into books and reading? And, and what was it that started it? Was it the spongy carpet in the tea? Was it the teacher reading to you? I'm trying to understand um, what it was that really inspired you and got you started with that. Well, in nursery... Um um, there was loads of books and there was like all pop-up books and I just really was fascinated how they like all popped up and how it like it was different creatures that would come up and as far as really fascinating and inspirational. Do you have a favourite teacher that sticks in your mind when you were that young and he or she tell me about her or him or what was very special that they had that really captured your mind? Um, Miss Poole because she would always sit down with me and she would always read a book to me and I'd, and I'd read a bit to her and we'll just laugh when all the books would pop up at us. I like that and I like that the pop-up books are really good. Robbie, how's it going, mate? It's good. Okay, what have you been doing today so far? Uh, we've been going to other classrooms in the school, asking other teachers how the day's been going, asking questions. Uh, Wow, that's pretty good. Do you have any feedback for that already? Have you got to have an idea? Are they having a good day, a bad day? Because, of course, it's a Saturday, and this is typically uh, a, a day that teachers don't come into school. And for you as well, it's kind of a day you've come in specially, and I'm very grateful to all three of you. And there are a, a few more others in the room as well, five others in the room, um, and we'll be chatting to them later on. So, Robbie, what, what have you kind of, in, in some more detail, what are the kind of things, what are people saying around the conference? They're saying that our school is very bold. The, they, the school's stunning, they, loved our, they love our school, uh, our school's magical and everything. Uh. Bookish, now bookish is a really interesting word for a year six young gentleman by the name of Robbie. It's not a word I would expect you to have, so that tells me that you've really asked some really good questions. What's it been like going around and asking these people questions? It's been quite amazing. 
asking like how like the day's been going, what's the favourite book. Uh, Just consulting his notes now. I, I do like a, a presenter who has notes, who's come with notes. Uh, we've been going to the Reading Shack. Uh... Ah, Reading Shack. Now, that's interesting. Rihanna, what can you tell me about the Reading Shack? Um, when we do, like, different things, it would normally be based in the Reading Shack because it's basically my fa- it's my favourite place in the school and also Bookworm is because we get um, on the big the big bedtime story we were able to like go in and read books to the younger children and that would inspire them to read books when they're our age to people younger than them. Now that's interesting so you as a year six reader you're reading to younger people in here what are those stories like and what does it feel like when you're when you're you're reading to them and also if you can manage there's three bits of this question so I'm really loading you up here now but what do you think do they enjoy you reading to them and, and tell me some more about what's it like you as a reader to them. It's really fun being able to read to them and one time when we was in the hall we got told um, I got told that um, one of the teachers, uh, nieces and nephew, on the way home they were talking about me all the way home, saying that was a good read, and it's really nice to be mentioned on the way home, and it's really nice to know that people appreciate me reading to them. Thanks, Savannah. Uh, uh, thanks, Rihanna. Savannah, can I ask you now, uh, have you done that, and how did it feel having that kind of reaction? Did that make you a better reader? Did you work harder having had that kind of feedback? Well, it felt actually inspiring to make me feel like reading is um, important for when you're growing up. So that encouraged me to read more but at my age. So younger people who I read to can read when they're my age a bit more than I did. Brilliant, both of you. Chatting there with Savannah, Rihanna and Robbie, and we're back with them shortly. I've heard from our weather correspondent, Tom Sale, who's listening in Dubai. Uh, Tom says, afternoon here in Dubai, a steady 35 degrees Celsius at the moment. And thank you so much for that as well. And Dan, who has uh, couldn't join us in person, Dave, he's uh, said on Twitter, fantastic, the amazing power of technology and the world wide web reach of the media talent. Oh, you're very kind, talented me. You're always nice to be mentioned. Uh, hello from a not very sunny Blackpool. Well, we're, we're sad to hear that, aren't we, everyone? Because Blackpool is always sunny and always very pleased to see visitors there as well. Uh, thanks, Dan. That's really good. And thanks to all of you here. Uh, it's just coming up to half past 12. There's tons, tons, tons more. Our next interview is with Nikki Cox from First News. She's the editor and one of the founders, and you'll be really fascinated to hear what she's up to. It's Russell Prue here, Reading Rocks Live. Don't go anywhere. Yo, yo, what up? This is Lunch Money Lewis. Hey, I'm John Newman. Hey, what's up? This is Fergie Ferg. This is Reading Rocks 2017. You're listening to Russell Crowe, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. I don't understand what's going on here. Join the conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag ReadingRocks underscore 17. This is Reading Rocks 2017. Uh, listeners, delighted to have Nikki Cox on the telephone, editor-in-chief and one of the founders of First News. Hello, Nikki, and welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. Excellent. Tell the listeners all about First News, one of our delightful sponsors, and thank you so much, so much indeed, for your kind and generous support. We 
just not possible without people like yourself. So thank you first and foremost about that. Tell the listeners about the product and where it sits in this kind of market, please. Well, First News is the UK's only national newspaper for children. Mm-hmm. Um, I launched it in May 2006, which astonishingly means that we're just about to come up to our 600th edition. Wow. And uh, yeah, I can't, you know, it's amazing to think that I am as excited by it as we do our front pages every week as I was when it was, you know, the first week. Um, It's it's for eight to 14 year olds. um, And um, it basically, when we set it up, the idea was to really inform children about the world so that they knew what was going on in the world in which they were growing up. Um, But increasingly, it's become as much a platform for kids to get their voices heard about the world and about the news. So we're quite campaigning now with, with children. And, you know, for example, with Brexit right now, um, we've been running um, a kind of a survey with, with, with children to contribute their thoughts and views about Brexit and, and what matters to them in the negotiations. Because, wow. you know, they didn't get, they didn't get a vote, but, nope. you nope. know, they have a voice, hmm. you know. And we, um, so we got children to contribute to um, the Children's Charter for Brexit, which we've now presented at 10 Downing Street, um, you know, we took four of our readers along and the prime ministers had a good old read of it, you know, good. and and, uh, and all their views and comments and things that they want her to bear in mind in the discussions. Perhaps you could make her mind up now. That would be refreshing, wouldn't it? Um, that would be so, good. Wouldn't that be good as well? So as well as print, there's also online version. Tell me more about that, please. Yeah, we have um, First News Live, which is for children. Um, and we basically have um, daily news there because the paper comes out once a week on a Friday. Mm. Um, so the online is kind of a partner to that. So we have a daily news bulletin that we make with um, our team at Sky News mm-hmm. um, every day, which comes out at uh, kind of three o'clock. So as kids come out of school, they can see what's been happening while they've been at school. And we also make an awful lot of other news content um, like with UNICEF and WWF and all sorts of other people that we work with. Um, to inform kids about the world. And, and again, we have something called What's Your Story, where kids can make their own news reports and, and send them in, and, and we give them a platform for those to get to get heard too. And we have a parent site and a teacher site, which mm-hmm. is that um, for teachers, they go to schools.firstnews.co.uk, um, where they can find lots of resources and things that actually help them bring the real world into the classroom. So when mm. our paper goes to press... Mm. Um, the education team kick in and they provide lots of school resources and lesson plans so that they can use the features in the paper in hand with with lesson plans which they can find online. How do you curate all of this material? You mentioned Sky News and Connections there and other probably news agencies. You collect that kind of data. How do you curate that for a young audience? Do you know, it's it's all I have ever done, really. I mean, I I began life as as a journalist just on local papers and then went to the Sunday Times and then went to the BBC. Um, and at the BBC, I did children's magazines right. and launched 52 magazines at the, at the BBC. So well-versed in in writing for children. Brilliant. And all of us who are there are have that same kind of background and expertise sure. in taking complicated information and reworking it and explaining it to children. It helps that I think like a child myself, really. I mean, I might be 51, but I'm actually more like 15. And, um, you know, it helps when you kind of, you know, I don't want things to be complicated. I want things broken sure. down simply so that I can understand them. So I actually find it quite natural to do that, to do that for kids. 
now I can see the appeal for the Prime Minister as well. Perhaps this will be really useful. Um, thank okay. you so much for that. Um, I, I'm particularly interested in drawing some ideas from you about uh, reading, because, of course, the conference is all about what can we as educators do to encourage young people to read. And I kind of, I, I think the newspaper idea is something that more colleagues would like to learn more about, particularly when there's an opportunity of them contributing and feeding back and giving a pupil or learner voice in there as well. And then maybe yeah. see their article and bits and pieces published the next time. We need more compelling reasons to get particularly boys reading and I wonder whether that particular yeah. format, that newsworthy format, that magazine style newspaper format is particularly attractive to young gentlemen. It'd be very interesting to hear your thoughts on that. No definitely, I mean children per se need access to a wide range of reading materials, mm. you know reading books is great but it doesn't really matter what you read as long as you get that enjoyment of reading mm. and you learn to access information from what you read. We have found anecdotally and, and also we've done surveys with the National Literacy Trust that mm. have shown that um, reluctant readers and boys that you just mentioned mm. actually, you know, prolifically read First News, whereas they may find, you know, a, a, a novel, uh, any kind of book a little bit intimidating yes. you know they're happy to access the shorter articles yes. in first news you know even if they start off just reading the sports pages if that's their thing mm. you know and read the games reviews it doesn't matter as long as they're reading and learning and, and and kind of getting stuff out of print um and the national literacy trust survey actually showed also that children who read first news were making faster than average progress in their literacy um, at key stage two and key stage three yeah. so um it's good to know that as well as informing kids about the world it is also improving their literacy skills brilliant absolutely brilliant. delighted to hear all of those things are really exciting i'm a big fan i like the whole layout i love the way that you're connecting with young people at this kind of level and your independence which i think is so very pre precious in this time mm. in the in, in the world we live in at the moment is so very precious um where can uh we've got some parents as listeners as well so is there a separate site for them to go to is there a separate subscription service for them um if they just go to firstnews.co.uk it's well signposted there's different kind of areas for, for parents and children and teachers. I should mention actually that another important thing I think these days is the proliferation of fake news oh. that is hitting children from every angle. Yeah. Um, and this wasn't a thing when we launched 11 years ago at all. Of course not. Um, you know, and it's becoming increasingly a big problem. And the Childline, the NSPCC are reporting mm. a massive increase in calls from children who are anxious about the news. You know, be it they think that, you know, there's going to be a nuclear war with, you know, because of North Korea or Trump being in the White House or Brexit <laughs> or, you know, yeah. terrorism. You know, they're, they're scared. They're really scared because, you know, the mass media tends to sensationalise the news. They do. They do. And um, so we, we have a big job in, in actually reassuring, you know, terrorism is, is the number one fear of children. And it's so at odds with the reality, which mm. is that it's the least likely way that any of us are going to die. Yes. Um, and so we do a lot of reassuring and putting the news in perspective and actually, um, you know, helping them deal with the fact that a lot of what they're hearing from elsewhere mm. is really not quite how it is. No. OK. I thought you were suggesting that Trump in the White House was a fake news story. I was getting all excited there <laughs> just for a few seconds and then it kind of reality dawned on me. Uh, Nikki, it's just been an absolute delight talking with you. Thank you so much. Really exciting. Hope parents get on board with this as well. Um, so as a parent, can they take the, if the school doesn't already take this, can they take this privately as a subscription into their home? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you can buy it on the newsstand, but also 
if it's difficult to find, which it can sometimes be, I understand. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, you can subscribe and and um, school subscribe and, and lots and lots of families subscribe Brilliant. at home. Too. I'm really pleased with that. Are you on Twitter? Can we follow you on Twitter? Do you have a, a public facing yeah, Twitter account? We do. Um, I my personal one is at First News Editor, um, and the paper is at first underscore news i like the way you gave the editors one first well done I'm, I'm, that's course. a good that's a really <laughs> good site nikki i've really enjoyed it thank you so much and again thank you on behalf of uh, reading rock 17 this year for your kind and generous sponsorship of the event we really do appreciate that oh, just a complete pleasure brilliant talk to you thank you so much all right take care thank you join the conversation on twitter just use the hashtag reading rocks underscore one seven Thanks very much indeed, Nikki. We're back with another colleague from First News a little later on, Sarah Atkinson. She's talking about a piece of survey uh, with a, a, a very interesting draw and prize for your um, time giving in the survey. And it's looking at barriers to literacy, and it kind of caught my attention. Um, if you want to get on that ahead of that, it's first.news forward slash survey, and there's a free prize. And we'll we'll interview Sarah a little later on in the show and get a bit more information from her. It's just coming up to uh, 20 minutes to one. We're live until three o'clock. There's a shed load of interviews still to come. I would like to hear a little bit more from people, perhaps in the UK, bless you. I know we've got a, a lot of listeners. Uh, for Unfortunately, lots of people couldn't get tickets uh, to come to the event. And so they're probably, um, hopefully, listening to us and enjoying us. Let me know where you're listening from. Uh, we've had Dubai and Wiltshire. And I'm sure in between those two locations, there are lots of people listening. I asked the young people before I sent them off again for another research trip, what music they they'd like to hear and they chose this song justin bieber uh, despacito i'll play that for you in just a second do get in contact i'd like to hear from you 85010 start your message with the word radio send me a tweet at russell prue or simply hashtag it reading rocks underscore 17 we'll pick that up as well we'll be taking your calls a little later on in the show here's the music And it's just coming up to a quarter to one. I can smell the lunch already. It smells al tastio. We've got some more of our young year six librarian reporters in the studio. Just come a little bit closer for me. We've got Mika, Amelie and Rebecca. And first up, it's Mika. Hello. Welcome to the studio. What have you been doing this morning so far? Um, this morning we've been um, asking teachers what, what they like about our school and how their day's been. Okay, excellent. And what have you found out that you were surprised about? Have you heard anything that's been completely blown you away? That you just stopped in your tracks by anything you've heard particularly? That they've um, they've took pictures of our displays and our stirs because we have books, and uh, the the showing the bringing them back to their school and showing the pupils there. That's absolutely brilliant, uh, Emily. Tell me about you as a reader. When did you really get start s- stuck into this? What what really captured your mind? What why are you such a good reader? Because you're at this school. What what is it about the school that's done that? Well, um, there's loads of libraries for um, a start, and but then um, there's pop up books. There's millions of books, and there's loads of books for younger readers, bigger readers, and for all stages, so anyone can read. That is absolutely brilliant. And also, Rebecca, you've just joined us. What have you been doing as well this morning with the rest of the team? We've been going around asking people what's good about the school and they've been given really nice um, uh, opinions about what they like. 
Brilliant. Anything that kind of sticks in your mind that you've heard that you were surprised about? I mean, they're all taking photographs of the displays. Teachers do that all the time, I have to say. They do like stealing other teachers' ideas is a professional pastime for colleagues. It's a great way of sharing great practice as well. It's really quite important. What are the things you've uh, you've heard them talk about? Well, they're going to be um, like doing the same things that we've got input in their school. So, yeah, I really like that. Brilliant as well. And we'll be talking to some more of our Year 6s later on because they've been reading books and I want a book review from them because they've been doing a whole class read. We'll be talking to some uh, here as well. I hope you enjoyed the music. There's still plenty of chance for Influence My Music Choice. Listeners, you need to get involved and you can do that on Twitter. Uh, just hashtag me, readingrocks underscore 17 or use at Russell Prue in your tweet. Uh, you can text me as well. No text so far. That's fine. That's okay. You're all saving your text allowance it is early on in the month and you've probably got plenty of rollover texts and want to hang on to them i completely understand Uh, but if you wanted a text your standard message cost applies to this and no information is retained beyond the end of the day Uh, text number is 85010 remember to start your text message with the word radio up next it's the amazing professor Teresa kremin who is one of our top keynote contributors from today i interviewed her just before she went on this morning and I'll be playing that interview next. Don't go anywhere. Get in contact. We want to hear from you. Yo, yo, what up? This is Lunch Money Lewis. Hey, I'm John Newman. Hey, what's up? This is Fergie Ferg. Woo! Keep this frequency clear. This is Reading Rocks 2017. You're listening to Russell Crowe. Broadcasting on the Anderton Tiger Radio Network. I don't understand what's going on here. Join the conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag ReadingRocks underscore one seven. Uh, listeners, I'm really pleased to have one of the keynote speakers here, live in the studio here, Professor Teresa Kremin. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Teresa. It's really good to have you here at Reading Rocks Live. Just tell the listeners a little bit about you and your research interests. will be really useful just to start off with. Uh, well, um, Russell, I've been involved in education for many years. I trained as a teacher, originally a primary teacher. Then I worked for 19 years in initial teacher education, training student teachers. Uh, and in the last period, let's not uh, dwell on the numbers, um, in the last period I've been uh, working as a researcher at the Open University. Um, my research is mostly around teachers' literate identities and their oh. relationship between how they see themselves as readers and writers and whether that that understanding of reading and writing enables them to teach more effectively in the classroom to foster readers and writers, not children who do reading and do writing in schooling, as it were. Quite a different thing. Indeed it is, and I'm delighted to meet someone that has a... a, And I wonder if it's the teaching background that kind of allows you to do that. I meet lots of people who who are eminently qualified in this area, engaged in lots of research, but actually, if you've not had to stand with your back to the classroom, writing on a board, and feeling and perspiring minutes with young people and trying to struggle to get them to read then I really don't think it's 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 difficult it's too difficult to put it into context so I'm really delighted thank you so much indeed and, and you've begged some interesting questions along your introduction there as well what, what do you see the biggest barriers at this moment in time obviously we've got a gender gap there is evidence to support that so we've got this huge gap between girls and boys and how do we address that and are there some clear definitions of barriers that we as educators can easily overcome to get more young people reading 
My own sense is, though you're right, that we have a gender challenge, as it were. That is an international challenge. It's not just in the UK. Of course. And I would suggest that probably a bigger barrier is our conceptualisation as a profession of what reading for pleasure is. So we have a, an agenda, an accountability agenda, assessment agenda, that drives us towards enhancing the scores on the doors, the children's scores in terms of uh, the end of each key stage, and, of course, in between. And that tends to sideline the reading for pleasure, the more relaxed, informal mm. opportunities that we should be offering young mm. people to read, to think about meaning, to discuss, to share, to book, make book recommendations to mm. one another. So one of the concerns I have is less around gender, but more about how we, what we see that counts as reading in our classrooms. And too often what counts as reading is a limited uh, policy definition of reading rather than real-world reading, which would encompass a very wide range of texts, not just books, uh, and would also encompass that kind of social interaction that mm. runs around reading mm. rather than the act of reading these words, as it were. Yeah. Ab- absolutely, couldn't agree more. Uh, let's talk about the regime of testing, because it, it's there, whether we like it or not. Uh, key stage two tests are, are phenomenal. An hour of reading and, and 30 questions, and young people clearly not got the stamina, reading stamina, and, and that's one of the kind of topics that I've got from my interviews with some of the, the guests that are already in the can for today's live show, that, that reading stamina is a real challenge. And I think that all goes back to how do you affect a cultural change so that more young people are, and perhaps I wonder whether parents now, we've missed an opportunity somewhere along the timeline, that parents, there is a disconnect with parents and reading, and therefore it is difficult to find reading homes where books are so prevalent. What do you mm. think about that? An interesting issue. I mean, my own research hasn't, to be honest, focused on parents, so I'm not you know, qualified my own work to comment on it, but more generally, I would say that one of the challenges here is once parents, the young child, learns to read, parents often see, well, I've done the job now, as it were. Ah. Either I did it or the school did it, but he's at the end or she's at the end of Key mm. Stage 1, they're relatively free reader, they're moving on, and the reading aloud to children in home, and indeed reading aloud to children in school, tends to take a bit of a dive bomb well if we really want children to persevere and turn the page they've got to find something worth reading they've got to find the book that hits the button for them and that's going to be a different book for every single child the next book so one of the key things we need is more teachers reading more widely so they can recommend the book that you know nathan imran abdullah wants to read uh, and maybe a very demanding maybe a very challenging book but because he's really hooked into it yeah, he wants to turn the page and he develops that perseverance because he's committed to the narrative perhaps um, or indeed it may be a, um, a graphic novel he's committed to understanding the relationship between the visual and the words and finding out what happens in this story and I think we really need to work harder at not only reading aloud in school supporting parents reading aloud at home but doing better book matching where we tailor our text recommendations mm. not just one, two or three so the child has always choice because mm. reading for pleasure is all about choice all about volition I choose to read this miss you can't make me yeah? you can make me read the book we're doing for literacy we have to do it yeah. but the books that I'm choosing to read at home and developing my perseverance on or in quiet reading time are the books I'm choosing to read and if those books don't connect to me for some reason there's no relevance mm. there's no emotional engagement whatever there's no 
then, th- then I'm not going to turn the page. I'm going to pretend to turn the page. I'll flick it and I'll carry it around for three months and I won't have read hardly any of it. And then you'll ask me for a book review at the end and I'll repeat something on the blurb. And sadly, that's dis- the descent of a reader rather okay. than you know, the climbing the mountain reader. So it looks like all the action's actually on the edges, on the soft edges around that skill set. So, so what can we as practitioners do to, to enhance those soft edges? Are, I mean, once upon a time, beanbags and carpet did the trick. And, mm. and I think that that was in the past. And mm. we, we, kids go, yeah, I've got, I've got all that. I've had all that. It's just like when we introduced IT in the classrooms. It worked for a little while. And then the kids got better stuff and faster broadband at home. And then all of a sudden, it's not good enough in school and I wonder whether we've kind of reached that with the reading agenda now we need something more does every school need a double-decker bus now and and as a reading bus I'm going to chat with a a head teacher from Southampton on the show a little later on who's bought a um, he's had a double-decker bus converted into the Harry Potter night bus and and it's those guys I've got plenty of examples where buses because they're actually relatively cheap when they're at the end of their life they're incredibly cheap railway stations um, pagodas, outdoor kind of terrapin huts, which should be condemned under the right circumstances, provide that special inroad into this setting. Is it all about the setting on that soft edge? Well, I certainly think it is about the soft edge, but it's recognising the soft edge has a central part, so it shouldn't actually be the soft edge, it should probably be the soft centre from which Mm -hmm. everything comes, because if you put the pleasure principle at the centre of the whole enterprise, then things like having really engaging spaces to read in, whether that's in the classroom book corner, or whether it's in the terrapin hut, whatever, the bus, um, can make a difference. But, Mm. I mean, in the Teachers as Readers research, uh, which I undertook across a two-year period we found there were four elements to an rfp pedagogy and one of which was those environments but the critical piece about the environments was they were social not just physical and some of the evidence we're beginning to see in schooling currently i would say suggests that schools are kind of performing reading because now performing the pleasure because it's in the national curriculum so and i don't mean at all rudely to people buying buses but there's a danger (laughs) in buying a bus and saying this is our reading for pleasure space and it only happens there yeah yeah so rfp pedagogy would have a social reading environment certainly a second strand would be Mm -hmm. reading aloud which we referred to before a third would be really important informal book talk and conversations book blether i call it Uh, one to one one to three children recommending to other children you get that kind of spontaneous text talk that Mm. isn't about answering comprehension questions but it might be about this really funny on page seven have a look at that you know or it might be about reading a comic together or whatever or it might be about me putting this book down on the table as a teacher and saying sorry we didn't have time to finish this Mm. picture book anybody want it and then it's gone uh, you know under the tables being passed around from reader to reader and then the the fourth strand of that we've got social reading environments um book talk i'm trying to stretch my memory of it now oh and of course um reading aloud and independent reading time time to develop that perseverance time that's relaxed and informal yeah we've got so much of that haven't we and there's so much to cram in and it's uh, it's a really interesting challenge for colleagues uh, clearly Um, i'm really enjoying talking to you but i I do realize uh, demands on your time are formidable this morning and you need to be ready for your keynote thank you so much Uh, what do you hope colleagues will leave your keynote having learnt what do you think will be in their minds when they leave? What are you hoping will be in their minds okay. when you've finished your intervention today? My, my aim of the keynote is to, to question in our minds who owns Reading for Pleasure, who should own it, 
and who does own it and to ask ourselves the question as a profession are we controlling the children's reading for pleasure are we do we need to loosen the reins and allow the children to take their reading journeys supported and enabled by us but i think it's all about choice volition and ownership and i would hope that teachers will begin to say hmm not only do i need to read more widely not only do i need to employ a research informed pedagogy but can i also um, begin to question am i holding the reins too tight and taking too much of their reading for pleasure on my shoulders rather than shifting the locus of control and allowing the youngsters to own their own journeys brilliant absolutely brilliant Uh, listeners you want to contribute to this conversation don't just sit there get on twitter get on email get your phones out and start texting uh, because it'll be really good to get this conversation moving at some pace today because it's a great opportunity but for the moment i'd like to thank my guest uh, immensely and wish her all the the luck for her keynotes today uh, professor Teresa kremming thank you so much for joining us today thank you russell Yes, coming up to three minutes to one o'clock. Thanks very much, Teresa. And you'll see from uh, Twitter, uh, she was very widely uh, and, and well received in the auditorium. She has another keynote a little later on uh, to do. Really, really good. Thank you. Um, colleagues, if you want to find Teresa's research, just go to Google and search on research rich pedagogy, pedagogies, reading for pleasure, RFP or reading for pleasure in full. And you can access her materials. I'm now just going to try my hardest to get Tarig Sasu on the telephone live. He's in Southampton visiting relatives. Now, this is going to be an interesting diversion for his afternoon because he has had the Harry Potter night bus arrive. And I want to find out more. It was on Facebook last night. I only read it about 10 o'clock uh, last evening because there are fabulous photographs of him driving the bus. I want to know more. And he is up next. Time for some music. And I'm going to introduce that with Peanuts. Love. This track. Oh. Made famous by uh, Eric and Ernie uh, Morecambe and Wise. Just, uh, just amazing. Peanuts! I just love it, don't you? It's just gone one minute past one, and you're listening to me, Russell Prue, broadcasting live across the planet. I have the fabulous Tarig Sasso with me, with the word ace in the middle there. He's such a dude. Um, Tarig, thanks for joining us. How are you today? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thank you. That's Russell. gone. Hello, Tarig, are you there? I just love it, don't yes, you? Yes, I'm there. How are you doing? Tarig, are you there? Can you hear me now? Hello. Yes, I can hear oh, he's you. He's gone. We're gonna g- I'll get him back on the line in just a minute. Oh, t- don't you just hate this live radio, the delights of live radio. I can hear uh, you. We'll can get him back in me? just a second because uh he's he's had this Harry Potter night bus. It's really interesting and I want to share his experience with you. Don't go anywhere, I'm gonna try and get him back now. <laughs> You're listening to me, Russell Prue, live at Reading Rocks. It's uh, two minutes past one now, and that minute does seem like a much longer time than you could possibly imagine. Get in contact. Let me know where you're listening from. I would like some more uh, texts and tweets from you. It would just be really, really lovely. Um, thank you very much. Keep it coming. I want to hear from you, please. This is Reading Rocks 2017, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rock Now with Russell Proof. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. Okay, at uh, one minute of my life, it seems like 20 years have just gone by quickly. Uh, Tarig, are you there now? <laughs> I am there, can you hear oh, no, me? No, I don't believe it. <laughs> can you hear me, Tarig? Are you there? Can you hear me now? Yeah. 
Oh, right. You I should... can hear you. Oh, can you hear me? I should be able to. Let me just... Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, you're perfect. Absolutely perfect. Thank you very much indeed. Great. I'm so pleased I've got you on the show. That's really good. Uh, listeners, uh, really interesting. Caught this on uh, Twitter last night, on Facebook, actually, last night. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about... Um, uh, about this bus because there's some lovely photographs and and le- let me know what you're using it for because i had this great idea to talk about it with colleagues here uh, this is a, a reading rocks uh, conference so we're looking at innovative inspiring ways um to get uh young people engaged with uh reading and that kind of thing i just wonder what the idea behind the bus was exactly that russell um it started off two years ago where um You've been to my school. You know what I'm like. I love Harry Potter. Our children are very much inspired by it. And it was an idea of mine to get a double-decker bus and to have it like the night bus from Harry Potter and so for children to inspire children to go and read on it. So at break times, lunch times, with their teachers in lesson times. And actually, two years ago, my fabulous PCA, the Friends of Blackfield, persuaded, I found a big purple double-decker bus on ebay and persuaded them to uh part with some of their money that they fundraised for a few years wow by a bus wow um and then, then we had a a couple of years of fundraising to try and like renovate it and and you know gut it and make it all lovely for the children's side sadly in june it was actually subject to some medical vandalism Brilliant. basically destroyed the bus smashed smashed all the windows things like that um and then we did a bit of a a plea we you know we went to the community and you know we we did some fundraising at school and luckily we we had some very generous donations from local businesses um blue star the bus company got involved uh, we had a local uh, builders company called aero park development they also okay. got involved to uh, help lay the concrete which the bus would go on and, and basically three months later we we have our very own harry potter night bus Uh, on school site for children to use brilliant now my producers just told me who's listening back at hq that i missed the beginning of that conversation so uh, listeners i'm so sorry uh we didn't listening to me in the background here rattling on i've got you in my headphones but they didn't hear i've I've now corrected that could you just recap again so this this um purple bus tell me about the purple bus and the idea so pta raised some money for you go go from there again please thanks it was always 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 my idea to to, the dream basically you never thought it'd be a reality yeah purchase a old double-decker bus, make it purple, and call it the Harry Potter night bus. Wow. And then we'd have it on school site so children could go there and, and read. Not a library, because we didn't want to store books in there, but ah. as a reading den, like a nice, quiet place. You could have audio stories being played, um, children go in there, soft furniture, bean bags, little nooks and crannies, um, and we'd kid it out on the inside to be like Harry Potter. So uh, we actually found the purple bus, which doesn't come across regularly so we, we purchased it unfortunately in the summer it got vandalized and um, but we did lots of uh publicity work and right. um, we had some very generous generous donations from bus company blue star right. and a uh, aero park development um to do some of the building work and the, the concrete which the bus lays on and from months later we've, we've managed to get it on site and uh, the children are using it and it's i've Break times and lunch times, I've got queues of, of over 100 children with a book in their hands or with a pen and paper waiting to do some creative writing uh, to, to use the bus every day. And that that bus is permanently parked on your site now. This is not a visiting thing. This is yeah. a no, no, no. It's been decommissioned, so it can't move. It's it's on our site. 
It is our Harry Potter night bus, and it's for our children to, to use whenever they like. And how has that been received from them? What have they? Uh, what's their been their reaction they to it? They are buzzing. Yeah, absolutely buzzing. So the day it arrived, we had a Harry Potter fancy dress day. So he's got a few hundred Harrys, a couple of hundred Hermiones, the odds, Luna Lovegoods, some teachers as Mad Eye Mooney at a Dumbledore, and uh, and then the bus pulled on site. It's beautiful summer's day, and uh, yeah, it was just to make kids were going absolute wild. And yeah, they they still are. They they love it. And it looks on. And I I immediately uh, posted it on my uh, Facebook. So if colleagues, you just head across to facebook.com forward slash Russell Prue, and there's a video uh, of Tarek driving and uh, and the kids waving, and they're mad, absolutely mad for it. Um, the purple bit, I, I missed that bit. Ha, did you paint it? Did you have it painted? Was it commissioned, or it was it just no. from a purple bus company? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's weird. It was just it's just luck. So. There's, you can always buy a double-decker bus. There's loads yeah. of them on eBay. But yes. I, was, I was waiting. It took me about 18 months to find a purple one. And then when I found a purple one, I was very excited. But unfortunately, that one got vandalised. And oh, then I, that was my, my dream was kind of over then. Oh, but luckily, Blue Star came to the rescue. One of our parents worked for them. Turns out I went to school with a guy who's very high up in Blue Star. And uh, he said to me, look, oh, I've goodness. got a purple bus. We want to help you out. So... Oh, Tarek, it's a uh, stunning story. It's absolutely stunning. Uh, Tell the listeners a bit bit about the context of the school. So uh, you're in a very interesting part of the country. Yeah, so we're we're down in the New Forest, which sounds very lovely, but um, we're down by Leap Beach, um, a place called Blackfield, and our communities serve the children of Blackfield and Sawley and Cowshot. There's actually um, a few parts of the catchment which we serve is in the bottom 10% of the country in terms of deprivation. So, you know, our community... Our community, uh, you know, to, to inspire children yeah. to, to enjoy reading, have a love of reading, have aspirations to go, you know, outside of their community in their future lives. We're, we're very much about inspiring children. And our, you know that from our curriculum. We, we do projects about Harry Potter, Pokemon, Star Wars. You know, we really get our children excited yeah. about learning. And this is just adds to that. And has it, have you had any evidence yet that this has had an, an impact? Got We've been at school a week. So it's, it's, it's early doors, right, okay. but um, the, the, chi- the children, you know, it, just in terms of what, they've, what they're saying, and mm. they, you know, you've got children who would never bring a book to school, I'll bring them every day because I'm just yeah. on the bus. And, and, and you can tell, of course. It caught my eye. I was just retiring for the evening, and I just absolutely had to make contact <laughs> with you. And thank you so much for sharing that. That is just so on no topic, worries. so on message for everyone here. And as you say, there's a lot of them around. Uh, we've got a container here at this school. So they've, they've uh, com- they brought a container in. They've turned it into a reading den. And on the outside, they've had an artist in residence paint books spines across so it looks like a shelf oh, on the it. book and it's, it's stuff like that i know of uh, a school that had an old railway station uh, a, a railway right. carriage and put on there as well which is just i just have a vision of you on the beach there having a lovely time but uh, i suspect that's not the case on your busy uh, Tarek, thank you so much for joining us um i really really appreciate no that i've tweeted the video out colleagues just get on the twitter and have a look at that and thank you so much for joining us live on the radio you are such good value and i'm very grateful for your time i really appreciate that and sorry about the muck up online and the second call to you i knew there was something wrong but couldn't quite put my finger on it but sorted now thanks for no joining worries. us have a lovely afternoon thanks for being part of our live show you today. Too. Take care, and you too thanks matey cheers join the conversation on twitter just use the hashtag reading rocks underscore one seven
Uh, sorry about that, listeners. A uh, bit of a muck up there, but thank you very much indeed to Sarah, who's uh, who's monitoring the broadcast uh, from HQ. Really good. Uh, I knew there was something wrong. Couldn't quite put my finger on it, but uh, sorted that out. And I hope uh, everyone enjoyed that in the end. It, it was going to the record, so if you're listening to this again, and I should mention that, uh, you can just head across to soundcloud.com forward slash Russell Prue, and you'll be able to enjoy this on demand. And I'm going to repeat the whole show again every Friday until I get bored with it for the foreseeable future. And that repeat, because it's actually on the live stream, will include all the music and all the brilliant content that we've got here that I'm not able to repeat because of licensing uh, rules. Uh, Something really interesting happened this year. The Royal Philharmonic Orchestra decided to do what they did to Elvis and take some of his works and re- orchestrate the music alongside it and they've done that with Roy Orbison and we have an album coming out on the 17th of November which is absolutely breathtaking I've managed to secure a couple of tracks from it that I'm going to play during today's live show this is Pretty Woman and it sounds quite different to anything you've ever heard it's just coming up to uh, 13 minutes past uh, 1 o'clock I'm live, here's some music, get in contact I'd like to hear more, let me know what type of music Music you want. I've got a huge library here. It'd be lovely to play something from you. This is Roy Orbison um, with the new Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and Pretty Woman. This is Reading Rocks 2017, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed, and you're listening to Reading Rocks now with Russell Proust. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. I hope you enjoyed that track. That was absolutely breathtaking. Really stunning. Absolutely love it. What a lovely new version. Beautifully orchestrated and really on message. Just absolutely love it. Uh, another track uh, for you and the whole album is released on the 17th of November. You can pre-order it. I absolutely recommend it. And they did such a great job completely remastering, re-recording all of the Elvis uh, back catalogue. And they've done the same with Roy Orbison. I heard um, Ken talk about this on Radio 2 a little while ago go and thought must make a note and it sort of came across my desk in the last couple of days and I thought it's absolutely uh, stunning as well Well, that's Richard Gerver he's a very good contact Uh, I've got Robert in the studio with me now Um, uh, 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 Buenas tardes Robert Buenas tardes hi I'm Robert Uh, I'm from Spain and I know uh, Spanish and Romanian Uh, today uh, well in school we are reading uh, a cool uh, book called uh, Sorrow Line this book it's about uh, a child that can travel through sorrow lines and the sorrow line is uh, you can travel to the day that uh, that person died wow that's amazing that, that's quite an adult grown-up title how are you coping with that is is that reading is it easy is it a, a straightforward book are you finding it challenging or difficult it's easy the the, the problem is that it has some uh, hard words Okay, and what's your strategy? How do you cope with the hard words? What do you go and do about those hard words? Uh, I try to uh, simulate uh, sim- uh, simulate them uh, to the Spanish or Romanian. Wow, that's pretty good. Now, those are your first and second languages, and would you say English is your third language now? Yep. Yes. Pretty good. You're almost speaking better than what I do, which is just really good. I'm, I'm really good. How, how, what, what's it been like working here today, going and finding stuff out and interviewing people? It's really hard and weird because uh, you never come Saturdays to the school. 
No, I know. Uh, and this is the same feeling that teachers are having today here as well. Some of them are wondering why on earth they've been brought in here. Uh, listeners, you can hear a bit of background noise. We're just starting to break for lunch as well, uh, which is really interesting. Thanks for What else can you tell me about the book? Would you recommend it to other people? Is it a, an easy read? How far are you through it at the moment? Uh, it's, uh, the book is uh, very recommended. It has uh, some good words for uh, children for 10, 11 years, and uh, it's very good. Well, it's a well-recommended title. Congratulations, Robert. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, it's absolutely good. And we're playing a lot, of, uh, a lot of Spanish music. There's a lot in the charts at the moment. I always think the Spanish are coming uh, because they're all over the charts, I have to say. And there's some great music and there's some more coming up in just a little while. Uh, this is our one to two o'clock slot. And this is the Dr. Mary Roach slot uh, because I just enjoy talking so much to this uh, young lady. Uh, I spent quite some time talking to her in the week and I'm going to play some of my recording it's in four parts and i make no apology for that at all we're kind of um, dealing with research and parental engagement i think some of you will find that particularly interesting if you're listening from that perspective as well be nice to hear from you get in contact please i'd like your tweets and your texts because it'd be really good to read some of that out a little later on in the show don't go anywhere mary roach is up next this is Reading Rocks 2017. Hey guys, I'm Demi Lovato. I'm Jason Derulo. Join the conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag ReadingRocks underscore one seven. You're listening to Russell Prue, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. I don't understand what's going on here. Listeners, uh, Reading Rocks Live wouldn't be the same without a contribution from this fabulous uh, lady. Speaking from her home in Ireland, I'd like to welcome Mary Roach to the radio show. Mary, how are you today? I'm really well, and I'd like to say hello to all your listeners. Hello, everybody at Reading Rocks. Oh, bless you. Thanks just, a million for inviting me oh, to pleasure. speak. I'm really happy. Uh, yeah, it's, an all, it's a long way to come and we're fully booked already, but I'm sure we'd find some space if you were able to come. And thanks so much for, for contributing. It's really good. I love catching up. I love checking my compass, my reading compass with you every year, just to check that we're all heading in a good, decent direction. So just, just tell the listeners a little bit about what you've been up to since we last spoke. Well, what I've been up to, I'm, I'm, I'm a lecturer in education in a college that prepares teachers for post-primary teaching. And I have a leg in that world, obviously. And I also work in the field of action research with three other colleagues and we write books and we'll talk more about that later, maybe. And but I, my first love, my primary love has been to work with children and teachers in mostly primary settings, although I have worked with teachers in post-primary and in learning sport Mm. Uh, special ed situations around the idea of dialogic pedagogy, which mm. is getting children thinking and talking. And my main vehicle for doing that in classrooms is through the use of picture books, good quality, sophisticated mm. picture books that don't yield up their secrets easily. Mm. So that gives children plenty of meat and grizzle to chew on to try and find out what's going on in the pictures, what's going on in the text, wh- where are we going with this story, what do I think about it, how do I feel about the character if there is a main character, and so on. So it's it's very open-ended, very high-order thinking, uh, very philosophical, mm. and um, and it's great fun, so it's reading for pleasure. 
It is good, and we mustn't lose sight of that because it's that pleasure that kind of drives the desire and the aspiration to read more as well. How important was your classroom background in in, in all of these kind of research programs and 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 taking your career further? How, how how useful was that for you? Oh, I couldn't have done any of this without my classroom knowledge and my classroom background because all of my research was classroom based and mm. located in my practice. And I struggled, um, just like teachers struggle with with classes that, you know, let's be honest, we're human beings. We don't like every class that we're about to be given or we're told we're having such and such a class. Sure. And sometimes that's a big struggle for us because we've seen them come up through the school and maybe they're not the most well-behaved or whatever. However, I have discovered that sitting them down, reading aloud, discussing the story, sitting into that discussion as a participant, not as the expert or the sage or the dominant person, but tentatively offering my opinion along with theirs, changes over over a period, quite a short period, maybe six weeks, changes mm. the dynamic in a classroom. Mm. And it is unbelievably important from a pedagogical relationship point of view and then from the point of view of the children getting on with other children this openness and this discussion of picture books is the biggest unintended learning outcome i discovered in Mm. my practice was this this personal interaction and relationship dimension it's something i didn't anticipate i was focusing on thinking but lo and behold children began to get on better with each other and with me. And that's not just my opinion. That's been borne out by other people as well. Okay, that's good. And is there an upper age limit to the appeal of picture books in particular? I'm Often I ask this question because some colleagues are still a little sniffy about picture books and they're seen as something one does particularly in early years but not in upper primary or, or, or for young people who struggle um, with words and I wonder whether you had a view on that I do I have a very strong view first of all I'm of a certain age um, I'm quite mature in my in my years my chronological years I love picture books I challenge anybody who thinks that picture books are for little ones to have a dinner party have have some wine hmm. and pick up uh, Yellow Bird Black Spider by Dosh and Mike Archer which is a very 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 on the surface simple picture book Mm -hmm. and have a discussion about what does it mean what's it about who's right who's wrong should the spider do what they want and so on (laughs) the the argument will last well past midnight so this is my my point that what looks like overtly a simple picture book can yes can be discussed with four and five year olds and they will give their opinions Mm. you can take the same picture book into a third and fourth age eight nine Mm. and have a terribly different, a very different discussion. Of course. Take the same picture book into the 11 and 12. I have taken the same picture book in with first years in college and with colleagues, and we've all had our go at deconstructing what's going on. So that's one answer, where a picture book is appropriate for use right across the board. Then there are other picture books like Armin Grader's uh, The Island, and he's got a new one out called Mediterranean, which is wordless in terms of there's no text, but the images are quite graphic. I believe I've it ordered. I haven't got it yet. Okay. But it's to do with migrancy. And um, 
and the terrible problems that are associated with people fleeing from mm. from all sorts of different scenarios. Sure. Now, that's not one you would take into a junior class. Mm-hmm. The images in the island are, are stark, are brutal, are graphic. Um, you just wouldn't discuss it with anybody under maybe 10, 11, 12 years of age, possibly in some very sheltered situations where children are very maybe... Um, protective and innocent, you mightn't even do it in a primary school. Fair enough. So, so you know, I, I just dismiss the argument that picture books are just for little ones. Good. No. Thank no, you very much. Everybody. No, no, that's exactly what I'd hoped for. Uh, listeners, we're back with Mary in just a moment. We'll break uh, for some music now. Uh, if you want to contribute to the conversation, you are so welcome to do so. Mary is uh, incredibly active. She's not a one tweet a week kind of person. She is on topic, I have to say. If you want to contribute to the discussion, make sure you tag her as well as the hashtag ReadingRocks underscore 17. She is at Mary GT Roach. That's R-O-C-H-E. And she's very good at getting back to you. Mary, stay exactly with you, Art. We are back with her, and there's loads more still to come, listeners. Join the conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag ReadingRocks underscore one seven. Thanks, Mary. And the time's just coming up to one thirty. Listening to me, Russell Prue, live across the music, uh, across the music, across the planet. Uh, Mary's part two is coming up next. I hope you're enjoying the conversation. We're going to take this even further as we go deep, deep, deep undercover within the topic of her research interests, and, and that's something that we can do here on Anderton Tiger Radio because uh, it's our station. It's a station for educators, and we have very focused topics. And I think that's really important. It's a great way uh, to disseminate this kind of brilliant cbd so having a really good conference here there's lots of chat there's lots going on people asking questions um about the last uh, guest well that was tarig uh, he was the night bus but the one before him i think that's what you're after was uh theresa kremin our keynote speaker here and her research material is uh, research rich pedagogies just go and look those three words up on google and you're looking for reading for pleasure and you'll find all her research content there as well apparently she was very well received and people talked about her a great deal keep in contact with me please it'd be nice to hear some more of you um there's quite a few of you listening at home uh, get the phones out say hello no one's gonna uh, suddenly inundate you with loads of calls we don't share any of your data with anyone if that's what's holding you back please don't let it be the case because there's some uh, some great reasons to get in contact with us and we can answer some great questions uh, we'll open some lines up uh, shortly after we finished with mary but this is the one to two o'clock hour this is the mary roach hour and it's something when you've got yourself a whole hour This is the latest from Paloma Faith, just so in love with this one. This is called Crybaby. This is Reading Rocks 2017. That is so growing on me. Paloma Faith and a current hit from a current album, Cry Baby. It's just eases you in really nicely. This is the Mary Roach Hour, and we're coming up to her second part of the interview. Thank you so much indeed to the fabulous uh, Ian Rocky, who's so kind and generous with his comments as well. He's enjoying the layering of the jingles and the audio. Well, you're really kind. It's nice of you to notice that. Uh, it's tough. It's hard work, but someone's got to do it. Um, I'm really, really very 
very pleased uh, to hear from you. Thank you so much indeed. And Al Kingsley as well, who's also listening there in um, Lincolnshire or Cambridgeshire. I'm not quite sure. Can't see exactly uh, where you are. Market deeping area. Uh, Al, as you will know, is the founding director, chief executive of Net uh, Support. Uh, brilliant uh, group of people do some safeguarding software. Like to work with him every year at Bet, and we're going to do that again at Bet 2018. Great opportunity to come along, see some radio equipment, and how we're using it to improve safeguarding, and that's really important. Uh, but today is all about engaging young folks in reading, getting them inspired, getting our teachers inspired, and that's what's really coming out of some of our conversations so far, listeners. That um, uh, Teresa was saying, Professor Teresa Kremian was saying that we, we've got to get the adults the educators inspired and upskilled to do all of that and i know that uh, sf saeed is already talking now and he's joining me later on in the studio live that he's saying the same kind of things we've got to kind of broaden colleagues consumption of uh, of books and and make sure that they're a, a, a drop anything uh, read that moment type of person and everyone's kind of buying into that and and they model good uh, practice with that because uh, young people see uh, adults doing just what we want the young people to do rather than this is what i told you to do we're back with mary in just a second don't go anywhere you're listening to me russell live across the planet this is reading rocks 2017 and i do so want to hear from you this is reading rocks 2017 broadcasting on the anderson tiger radio network Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rock Now with Russell Crewe. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. And we're back with Mary Roach, the uh, PhD a guru-inspired researcher, an amazing <laughs> woman that really does know her stuff, listeners. I can't believe I just love checking my compass with her each year. Uh, we've just been talking uh, about picture books, which is uh, one of the uh, almost accidental uh, kind of specialisms and areas of particular expertise that Mary stumbled across in her research particularly as well. We're just ch- kind of chatting about what's happened quite a lot. You've got a publication uh, due out very soon that's a really interesting piece of research. Can you tell me a little bit about that, please? Yes, um, it's, it's called Learning Communities and Educational Partnerships. And it's, the background to it is that three colleagues and I have been working together ever since we studied together for our PhD. Now, our studies didn't take the normal formula of going along into a classroom and being taught by somebody at a whiteboard or with a PowerPoint. Sure. We studied together in a very open discussion, dialogic kind of format where we had seminars together, very few one-on-one meetings with our tutor, supervisor. So we, we just loved that, that way of, of doing so that, you know, for example, we would get one um, reading maybe or two or three readings to do and she'd say, go and visit the work of Pierre Bourdieu or go and visit the work of Michel Foucault or you know, Paulo Freire or somebody and, and come back with some ideas and let's discuss. And so we were we were actually teasing out the conceptual frameworks of our research, which were around area, things to do like social justice and equity in the classroom at a very uh, macro level in terms of the theory. Mm-hmm. But we were then trying to implement that at the micro level. Anyhow, it, the outcome was for us that we found this a really powerful way of working mm. and that we were asking hermeneutic questions like, how can I improve my practice 
in relation to. And we wrote some books about that. Now, this coming book is about how that model uh, can also be used in, in partnerships between, say, um, initial teacher education colleges mm-hmm. and and the, the schools into which those trainee teachers are going for their practicum or their placement or whatever they're call, it's called in your context. We sure. call it school placement, mm-hmm. where a teacher is immersed for a period of weeks. They're expected to teach, um, but they're also expected to take in the whole school experience. And we're using our model and saying, well, you know, if the teachers in the school had expertise in the self-study action research methodology, and if the if the, the students coming in are going to be doing an action action research me- um, uh, project, yes, and if the college could provide some of the theory and the school could provide some of the latest practice, that there could be a nice partnership. And so we've teased out in the book how we have used this you know, partnership idea mm. with teachers, with whole schools, with um, links between college and school and so on. And mm. it's just, it's, a, it's an open-ended invitation to people to say, well, you know, can we do this? Let's try it. And we've been really fortunate, we authors. Um, it's, it's the first author's name this time is Maureen Glenn. We tend to rotate our names around. So mm-hmm. this one will be Glenn et al., and um, Maureen and Katrina, my other colleague, and Bernie met Etienne Wenger at a Scotans conference um, last year, and he was intrigued by the book and has agreed to write or agreed to write the foreword. Not just agreed; he he actually really liked the book, obviously. And Etienne Wenger would be one of the very big, important theorists around that whole idea mm. of uh, communities of practice. So that's what that book is about. Brilliant. And listeners, that is available to pre-order on the Waterstones website. I was looking at that just earlier uh, today. It's really straight. It's called Learning Communities in Educational Partnerships, Action Research as Transformation. At the moment, it still has Mary as the predominant uh, author on there. But as you say, (laughs) very kind. You're so kind, I have to say. There's a bit of rotation going on, but I'm sure you're listed as far as the ISBN book searches. So get yourself on that. It is available for pre-order and it's always really useful. And I I like the, the idea that colleagues can kind of absorb that and take the bits out that they feel uh, are relevant to their own practice and 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 can I can just continue on on this line of inquiry with you and kind of draw you out on this a little bit more are there more things that we can do to improve teachers engagement with young people I mean we've we've talked about good practice now and the use of picture books and and the other kind of things is the way that we narrate and we deliver that story uh, in a whole class setting because that's what some of our youngest children are exposed to first does that have an impact on the young person as a reader as a consumer of further texts i just kind of wonder if we could do a you know if you said russell um puppets work really well um funny sound effects whilst um colleagues Mm. are reading have a higher levering of engagement is there any evidence to support any of that kind of thinking well um in my own experience and and i've been doing this for three decades or more my and my experience as a learner myself in a classroom mm. was that when teachers read aloud, and we, we, I was very, very lucky in that I came from a print-rich 
home because my dad worked in the library and I went into a class where and I went into classrooms Mm. as a child where teachers really loved reading Mm. and encouraged us as readers. But but those who read aloud and there's nothing like it. I mean, you're sitting in a classroom. There's no pressure on you as a child, which is is often the case for children, that there's pressure on them. They're being judged all day. This is a time to hang up all that stress and worry and sit there and just let these words wash over you. And if the teacher is a good reader, if that teacher puts meaning and emphasis and, you know, the drama of the the turning page and stops at a crucial moment where all the kids groan and say, oh, please, don't stop. We need to know what's going on. Now, in my experience as a child, that was the book I wanted from the classroom library okay. or the school library or the local um, county council library. Mm. That was the book I sought out because I wanted to read it. That teacher made me feel that my life would not be worth living if I didn't read this book. Mm. In my own practice as a teacher, even with picture books, um, when children were let free to pick books, there was a dive. I often had to have multiple copies of the picture book because mm. they all wanted to take it home and with senior classes when we were reading novels like um, uh, Charlotte's Web or Holes or uh, Wonder they that was the book they wanted to take home for various reasons to read because they wanted to be one step ahead or for children who maybe processed slowly it allowed them you know time mm. to 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 be sort of more in touch with what the teacher was doing if yes. they had a chance to kind of consolidate that at home or for just curiosity there are a myriad of reasons so how the teacher reads now we're getting back to then the teacher as a reader mm-hmm. the people that read to me and I am a reader myself so I can talk from personal experience I knew the book in advance I had read this book in advance myself my teachers did that as well they knew where to put the emphasis they knew where the natural break that had the kids screaming in frustration would come. So there's no point in a teacher picking a book up and just saying, okay, let's have a look at this, because that's not going to enthuse. I don't know if I'm wandering off the point, Russell. Not but at all. My point is that teachers, A, need to be very, very familiar with the text. Now, if teachers want to do that, there is a fantastic opportunity in the Open University under Teresa Kremen's work, um, Reading for Pleasure, capital R, small f, capital P. If you Google it, you'll find it. She has it on Twitter. It's it's fascinating. And this afternoon, I'm starting a first uh, meeting with a group of teachers who are so enthusiastic. They're in a, a really disadvantaged school, in a dis- not a disadvantaged school, a disadvantaged area. Sure. School is amazing. And they are getting together with me to start that process of teachers as readers to encourage reading for pleasure. Lovely. And I think that's key. And Teresa has really um, identified that in her research, which is solid, solid research. Indeed. With lots and lots of people. Indeed. Professor it. Kremen is here and uh, she's joining us later on. Uh, in, I'm uh, sure well, she's talking about She's go. absolutely t- uh, talking about it. And it's perfect that you've mentioned her in a kind of unprompted yes. way. Uh, I'll come back with you in just a second. Need to break for some more um, input from colleagues. Uh, if you want to contribute to the conversation, listeners, really quite simple. Just tag Mary. Um, I'm searching her name all the time on Twitter. So any of the r- remarks you're making to her, we can pick up in the next conversation. She's at Mary G. 
GT Roach. That's R O C H E. Make sure you hashtag us reading rocks underscore 17 and comment on this discussion. We're back with Mary after this, and I want to talk about gender gap with her. Don't go anywhere, there's still loads more to come from this fabulous lady. This is Reading Rocks 2017. Have you considered implementing education radio into your curriculum? Harnessing the power of pupil talk whilst developing confidence and resilience among young people. A station from Anderton Tiger Radio is the ideal way to connect with your audience. Step behind the microphone and see how quickly you can educate the world in online safety. The coolest station online. Yeah. On the Anderton Tiger Radio Network with Russell Prue. That's us. Because we play this. Join the conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag ReadingRocks underscore one seven. Thanks very much indeed to Ian for his comments as well. Ian Rocky there, head teacher from Westwood with Iford Primary School. Thanks very much. You're very kind. Very kind indeed. I'm glad you're enjoying the Mary uh, uh, Roach conversation because I, I really do enjoy speaking with that lady. She really knows what her... She, I would say she knows her onions, but uh, that's not at all appropriate. Uh, unless we're talking about Strictly, and then we could talk about the chef and um, how the bookies are playing that. I might come to that a little later on. Uh, BBC have just flagged up a weather warning for the UK in general. Apparently this, um, this hurricane issue is uh, causing some weather warnings across the UK with some flood warnings. If you're in one of those areas, do check your local forecast because as well as being hot, sticky and humid, that means extra wind and lots of problems for some of us. Uh, if you're travelling, do go carefully, uh, particularly away from the conference as well. Uh, two more parts of Mary still to come. This really is the Mary Roach Hour and don't go anywhere keep those text tweets and emails coming it's so good to hear from you really really good this is reading rocks 2017 and you join us again live on the telephone i have mary roach mary thank you so much indeed uh, for your time today it's absolutely brilliant to catch up with you as well we've been talking about quite a lot so far and i want to now just uh, narrow the conversation gender gap is a real hot topic at this year's conference now uh, boys still considerably i mean some researchers using the word significant significantly behind girls reading now that might uh, always have been the case i don't have enough expertise to say um well that's just the way it is actually it's it's just the way it is um what else can we do to, to narrow that gap because there seems to be emphasis and resources in place for for doing that how how do we narrow that gap mary well again i'm going to go back and start are the boys teachers readers you know so the teachers who are readers themselves will, will, will help to, to solve it, I think. The other thing is, and I'm going back now to the personal and drawing on the particular experience I have, I would alternate um, reading aloud and p- promoting books where the protagonist is female or male. And, and, and when you look at the Harry Potter phenomenon, you know, there's Harry, but Hermione is a big character in there. Girls and boys alike queued up when Harry Potter first uh, broke on the scene. And, you know, you remember the, the, the queues at bookshops waiting for the next instalment. I would say, with hands on heart, if you'd measured the genders outside the, the shops, they were equally, um, num- yes. there were equal numbers of boys and girls. I would imagine. I yes. don't know. I have a, no facts on that. No. Okay, so boys now, there are lots and lots of reasons. There's 
there's a you know um, the physiology and the growth motor things attracting boys. There's that band of research to say boys don't like fine motor work and they don't like uh, coloring and they don't like art. There are exceptions to every rule, but I think teachers can be the main. After parents, teachers can be the main um, interrupters yes. of that. Okay. Um, so it's back to what can the teacher do to enthuse the boys. Now, there's a great lady in the United States called Donna Lynn Miller, who's written a book called the book. She's known as the Book Whisperer, and she talks about reading for pleasure. And she will introduce any kind of book. She says, find the book that suits the child. If that happens to be the Guinness Book of Records or uh, the, the, you know, those, um, what are they called? They're publications of books that are very science oriented. Oh, the how-to, the how-to, the how-to books. The how-to, yeah, anything. Yeah. Or else maybe sort of books that link science fiction. Right. There are children, I've taught children who only wanted to read science fiction. That's fine. I don't care if they want to read the, the back of the cornflakes packet once they're reading and once they're applying, you know, we're, we're focusing an awful lot of effort and time and energy into teaching the skills of reading, the phonemic, yeah. phonological, syllabic awareness, yep. the synthetic phonics and all that. We've got all that work going on. What is the point of that if they're not going to apply those skills in reading for pleasure? So, so that's one thing. Um, uh, there could be a whole other argument made. Are we putting too much emphasis there? Are we killing the love of reading? I'm not going down that route. Mm. But okay. um, there is this idea that, you know, um, if failure rates are high, children are going to be demotivated. Yep. They're not going to want to do the thing that's giving them pain. And if that pain is associated with reading, well, you know. Now, I am from a large family. My dad worked in a library some of us grew up, we all grew up in the same home with the same emphasis. Some of us were readers, some of us weren't. Um, so it's back to the child's personality, the encouragement that the child is given. No element of judging one book being better for you than another. None of that. Find the book that's right for the child. Um, there's a group here in Ireland and they work with Children's Books Ireland, which is at kids. Books Ireland, I think, on, on the Twitter. Yep. And they're called the Book Doctors. And they're a group of people who go around and they literally listen to children and they say, I know exactly what you'd like. I'll find the book for you. So th- and that's the message that I'm seeing coming from librarians, coming from wise teachers, coming from the literary lead in schools. Mm. Find the book that suits the child. Don't force a child to read what they don't want to read. It's the best advice so, I've heard you know, all day. That's, now, that could open up a whole hornet's nest if a teacher's reading a class novel and they're doing work on it. You know, that's the word, okay. work. Work puts kids off. Yeah. Well, that's the skill of a teacher, and that's why we haven't been able to replace them with anything else other than yeah. another human brain, because that's that kind of, that uh, that differentiation, that kind of um, that kind of tailoring needs to happen as well. I want to come back to you in just a second. I need to break uh, again for some more um, contributions to the show as well. I want to talk about parents and their involvement as well, because there's a a lot of listeners we have, and a lot of people come uh, here as parents. Um, uh, are trying to find answers to their 
their particular scenario because they you know obviously a lot of parents mm. want to do as much as possible for their for their child or children mm-hmm. uh, and that's appropriate we're, we're back with mary in just a second we're going to talk about parents don't go anywhere contribute to the conversation please listeners just hashtag us reading rocks underscore one seven and get in touch you can also email me uh, uh, studio at anderton tiger.com we can take those if that's more comfortable for you and you can text us as well on 85010 starting your text with the word radio we'll read all of those out and we're back with mary she's with us live on the telephone and we're talking parents next this is reading rocks 2017 that absolutely stunning from the album a love so beautiful roy orbison and the royal philharmonic orchestra amazing absolutely amazing the orchestration in that is absolutely breathtaking rather like the guest i have with me and this is the final part still to come mary roach talking parents next keep it coming don't go anywhere and we're back i have dr mary roach i beg your pardon and she is at mary gt roach r-o-c-h-e uh, just look at her Twitter handle, uh, listeners, and you'll see this is a, a, a phenomenal expert uh, in the in this field. And thank you so much again for for joining us. I am incredibly grateful. Um, parents, Mary, what can parents do to help their child? Now, they may have discovered that they're a reluctant reader or whatever topical uh, words we have to describe them. They're not reading as much as the teacher and any other partners uh, are involved in that child's uh, educational process. Process. they're not reading as much what can parents do some some top tips from you would be incredibly helpful at this stage um that's it's complex so what, what when we say parents we're obviously in our heads talking about literate parents who can read and we're talking about parents whose dominant language is english so if the parent is ta- is working in a partnership with the school now that's for the school and the teacher to set up um, and there are various ways of doing that through shared reading programs. We, in, our, in my last school that I worked in as a primary school teacher, we had a system called CAPER, Children and uh, Parents Enjoying Reading. So we chose texts that suited the child. The, the, the underpinning principle always was it's not the child that's failing the book, it's the book that's failing the child. We would keep going until we found a book that matched sure. the child. And the child would have a little journal and they'd fill it out and the parents would read a few pages at night with the child and the child would read in school. Parents came into the classroom to help as volunteers to hear reading. Every child was heard every day and there would little read aloud sessions on a one to one basis where the parent would read a few pages ahead with the child. Okay. Wow. Now, um, that's one model. And that takes a lot of organization and a lot of work. (coughs) Sorry. Bless you. And there are other models whereby if you have a library, and I know that's a contentious issue because Mm -hmm. I do know that austerity has meant libraries closing. We're in the very fortunate position in Ireland whereby our literacy numeracy strategy that was launched in 2011 has led to free library membership for everyone. So libraries are actually not, you know, under as much okay. threat. They are, there are still libraries under threat. So I would suggest that another methodology might be to link up with your local library, 
let them know what book is being read aloud in school or what books are being emphasised or whatever. And maybe they could provide copies and run something for the parents as well. Mm. I would also say to parents to keep reading aloud. (coughs) Excuse me. Keep reading aloud for as long as that child is willing to listen. And there is nothing to replace being read aloud. No. Okay, I appreciate it's, that. It's that warm, there's a closeness, There, it's all of that affective domain. You know, yeah. the cognitive domain is being looked after in terms of vocabulary and syntax and grammar and, and the story and the narrative and all of that that's going on. There's empathy being built with characters. There's so much going on in the brain, neuro, neuroscience is showing us. Um, but also there's that affective domain that the child is bonding even closer yes. with that parent who's sharing that experience. And then there's the skills um, aspect. The child is picking up. No matter what age that child is, it could be a 12-year-old if, if you're lucky enough to have still got that relationship with your child. Brilliant. There's also um, another dimension. is If you've got a problem um, with your own literacy uh, in terms of your, your decoding of text skills, if you're, if you're able to talk, why not take wordless or textless picture books? They demand a very high level of intelligence and comprehension to actually find out what's going on. If you take David Wiesner's work or, or um, Journey by Aaron Becker, or, or just Google pick wordless picture books and you'll find them. They demand a huge level of comprehension skills because there's no text to, to kind of point you at what's going on. There's, sure. no, there's no scaffold. So you've got to figure out what's going on here. Now, all that takes is two people sitting down together and talking and saying, gosh, I wonder, could it be this? Could it be this? You don't need reading then. You've got the oral language side of literacy going on. And that's a huge, huge basis for learning to read because, you you know, you need vocabulary, you need ideas, you need thoughts. And when you do come across words and you're decoding in phonics or whatever, it helps if you already know the word or if you already know the sound that that word makes and the meaning that that word carries. You know, it's so complex. But even illiteracy or Mm. non-English as a first language, whatever the terminology is being used, English as an additional language or English as a second language, Wordless picture books or the the Lampedusa list, which exists for if you go through um, people like Diana Leadham at Dilead, a fantastic, knowledgeable woman who knows a lot about um, um, diversity in reading, yes. uh, reading for you know diverse populations. And there is a list called the Lampedusa list, which was aimed at providing books to children of migrants who landed down there in Italy and that they could um, we could find texts that would suit them. Now wordless texts suit children because the the pictures are are universal. Mm. The interpretation doesn't rely on a text in any one particular language. That's a good buy into the I don't know if I've answered no you have the main thing yes yeah get parents on board with the teacher but in a non threatening, non judgmental way Parents have to be met at their own level. And if children see parents modelling reading, I mean, it's very unlikely. And I saw and I heard the wonderful Nick Swarbrick talk about this. You know, if you go into these very minimalist uh, modern homes 
and you see no no book, no no clutter of newspapers or magazines or brochures or leaflets or anything. Yes. No written word. <clears throat> Very unlikely that you'll have a reader emerge from that environment. So there's got to be in homes where books are around and visible and parents are visibly or chief caregivers or guardians are visibly reading. Yes. It doesn't matter what. Just see reading being modelled, people taking obvious pleasure in reading. And the same applies in the classroom. If if there is a, um, a programme like Drop Everything and Read, well, then the teacher shouldn't use that time to catch up with her marking, even though it's very tempting. Yes. I've been a teacher, I know. But the children need to see you reading and maybe you chuckling around aloud or you going, oh, my goodness, I didn't expect that. Or, you know, they do need to see you. Do it. <laughs> well, that's part of modelling good behaviour, isn't it? And that's a, a really yes, important... absolutely. And it's kind of common sense. You don't need a PhD to come up with that no but then you didn't think we needed a conference to solve these problems and clearly we do need a conference because the shed load of people waiting to come to the conference would be a really good indicator that the desire to come is very important to people and i hope they're really grateful for your contribution mary thank you so much indeed for your time today i've really enjoyed chatting with you it's been immense the subject and the topics we've covered in such a short space of time um i have a reading list the size of a planet now to go and look at thank (laughs) thank you so much indeed listeners one more time if you want to follow this fabulous lady, uh, a brilliant researcher, a beautiful writer, and a really good reader by the sounds of things. She is Mary G.T. Roach, R-O-C-H-E. She's on Twitter and across this planet. Mary, thank you so much indeed for joining us. Have a fabulous time and I hope you enjoy listening to the show. And thank you very much for your contributions to Reading Rock 17 this year. Thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for listening. And I hope my frog didn't intervene too much in the conversation. No, it's not even going to get a credit or a mention in the titles. Thank you so much indeed. Have yourself a great day. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. This is Reading Rocks 2017. Broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rocks now with Russell Proof. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. Absolutely love, 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 love her. She is so on the Christmas card list. Um, make sure you get everything you need from her. She's absolutely brilliant all over Twitter. Simply and easily, just simply follow her and follow those links as well. Uh, thank you so much indeed for some more uh, uh, content coming now. And uh, uh, thank you so much indeed for that. I'm just still reading that uh, off the web. Uh, still to come, uh, SF Said. He's speaking at the moment. I hope to get him in the last bit of the show. Frank Boyce as well. Cottrell Boyce, I beg your pardon. Um, really good interview interview with him i've got some music to play alongside that from the film uh goodbye uh, christopher robin really interesting film and not at all what you're expecting and we talk about that in the interview as well which is uh, really quite stunning uh, time to get in contact with um uh, to in touch with this really really stunning young gentleman lee parkinson he is up next he's on twitter at ict underscore mr p this is the guy who makes a video and one and a half million people download and watch it he's popular he's on topic he's really very interesting to listen to and he's up next don't go anywhere listeners this is reading rocks 2017 hey guys i'm Demi Lovato. i'm jason derulo join the conversation on twitter just use the hashtag reading rocks underscore one seven 
You're listening to Russell Crowe, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, listeners, I'm so pleased to have tracked this young gentleman down. He's in a car in a motorway services because that's just the only way to track him down. It's Mr. Lee Parkinson, also known as, and his Twitter handle has done so well. It's really good. He's at ICT underscore Mr. P. So, Mr. P, welcome to Reading Rocks Live. Thanks so much for joining us. What are you talking uh, about in you. your workshop? Um, I'm, I'm talking about the uh, Read, Write, Perform uh, approach that I, um, I've been working on with a fellow trainer called John Murray. Um, it's sort of an approach to English that we've been working on for the past couple of years. Uh, and um, it's still in its infancy, but it seems to be taking taking off in, in different schools and teachers are really enjoying using it. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of an approach that we've put together that I'm sure schools were already doing, but what we were finding in a lot of schools was English was, was sort of being taught very much where assessment was the driving force. Mm. You know, teachers were getting children to write because it needed to tick boxes. And we were getting quite frustrated with that. And, and, and you know, everything was fragmented. So what you were writing about was very different to what you were doing in your reading lessons and your comprehension lessons. So we put this approach together where we feel, you know, you treat your children as real authors. We have a real emphasis on reading into writing. And it just brings everything to together in a real cohesive and engaging uh, approach really we well, are timing's absolutely stunning for that the head of ofsted today has come out i do like that statement has come out and said that uh, teaching colleagues in primary are teaching too tightly to the test and it's leaving kids without a thorough understanding or a grounding in the subject and, and i think you've hit the nail on the head perfectly here lee absolutely the timing's absolutely splendid um, what i was interested in i want to talk about your kind of your travels now you you almost seem to be completely everywhere but you're still in post how are you juggling your life as a guru extraordinaire um well i don't, I don't seem to sleep much really, but, um, no so I'm, I'm still i'm still employed as a teacher i'm still working part-time at dave you where i've been for uh 10 years now um and sort of for the past four years i've been i've been part-time there and then yeah i sort of run my own training and consultancy company where which has just taken off and yeah, it's been it's been incredible. It's uh, it's been an amazing journey, and um, it's funny actually. I was just, I was just at the school I was at. I was just talking about the sort of journey I've been on, and saying you know uh, before, I mean it all started when we got iPads in our school. Before that point, I'd never written anything for pleasure in my life. Um, I don't consider myself a writer now, but as soon as we got these iPads, we started using them, and I was seeing the immediate impact sure. it was having on children's learning. Mm. I just started to sort of blog ideas of how to use these iPads in class, mm. and people were reading the blog and were engaging with it, and they were actually using these ideas. And I was getting all this feedback saying, "Oh, these ideas are great," and we're getting some amazing work out of the children. And that was the point where I realised that I had a purpose to write, and for me, where I really sort of improved as a writer and appreciated writing so much more and that's definitely had an impact on uh my teaching uh, as far as reading and writing in english and um and yeah so i was sharing ideas through twitter i had a couple of schools contact me would you be interested in speaking to our staff as we love the ideas um, feedback from that was great and then the next minute alan p have you, are you aware of alan p Come yes yes before? yes yeah yeah so he got in contact with us You've been, uh, you know, uh, recommended to us as a potential trainer. Can we come watch one of your sessions? And then off the back of that, he said, look, we'd love to work alongside you. Would you be willing to start your own business and go part-time at school? And I always remember sitting there around the table with my wife and we were talking about it. 
because at the time my wife only worked part-time as we just had the children because I'm also a uh, father to a 14-year-old stepson and, and six-year-old triplets. Um, <laughs> my goodness, my goodness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They were, they were running around in nappies. My wife was sweating, thinking, you know, can we take this risk of not having the stable income from a full-time teacher's wage? Yeah. Not that that's a lot, you know. So yeah, uh, I remember saying to her, look, I've got, I've got to give it a go. If, yes. I, if I don't, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And yep. now I'm just in this incredible position where I get to just, you know, travel and visit so many amazing schools uh, around the country and beyond, share my sort of ideas and, and, and thoughts and and um yeah approaches towards uh, teaching in the classroom and you know to get feedback from teachers where they're saying oh we use this idea from your blog from your training the best writing we've ever had from our children mm-hmm. so that that for me is just such uh, so it's such an incredible feeling and um you know that motivates me and 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 then through the sort of social media side of things the sort of videos like the one you mentioned where you know, I sort of share, you know, the universal life as a teacher and all these universal struggles we have, uh, you know, to, to get messages where teachers are saying, you know, I've had a real tough day today, but I've come home and watched one of your videos and it just made me realise that we do an amazing job. And, yeah. and you know, I just absolutely love that. So it's those sort of messages that I get from teachers and that sort of feedback sure. that uh, inspires me and motivates me to carry on. Uh, being here, there, and everywhere. Brilliant. So, I want yeah. to ask you about your video in just a second. I need to break now for some music. Uh, listeners, yeah. if you want to get in touch with this guy, he's absolutely fascinating. He's on Twitter. He's got a shed load of followers, but he'd love some more, wouldn't we all? He is at ICT <laughs> underscore Mr. P, and we are back with him in just a second. Don't go anywhere, listeners. This is Reading Rocks 2017. Hey, guys, I'm Demi Lovato. I'm Jason Derulo. I'm Join the conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag ReadingRocks underscore one seven. You're listening to Russell Crew broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Don't understand what's going on here. This is Reading Rocks 2017. The time just come up to 20 minutes past two. You're with Russell here. More Lee Parkinson in just a second. Keep those texts and tweets and emails coming. I want to say hello to Seawood. Uh, Seawood writes, really good. Love, Mr. P. Well, don't we all had a fantastic inset? Absolutely inspiring. Planning out my augmented reality library display right now. Wow, what an exciting time as well. Um, and some loads of uh, uh, mentions as well. I want to say hello to Castle Carrick School as well who are listening i suspect that you are in ireland and hello and thank you very much for that mr p has just retweeted thank you so much good to see you all on twitter here and at the conference as well i've been listening and keeping my eye on um all the trending topics today as well it looks like the weather's going to beat us anyway on that because a lot of trending topics on that we haven't appeared unfortunately listeners i have been completely and utterly uh, looking at that in the uk um just to see what's going on saturday morning who hashtag saturday morning um but very interesting there's um a couple of interesting education forward that's uh, uh um but we're not unfortunately trending i have been looking hoping for that uh, you'd kind of think we would have been with all the people who couldn't get tickets who hopefully are at home with nothing to do because they couldn't get here but 
tweet along with the show well that kind of hasn't happened but wouldn't that have been nice had that and we could have been trending there but of course everyone here is just intently listening uh, to what's going on it's really good cpd uh, we've got loads more still to come frank cottrell boyce i'm playing him alongside some music a bit later on still to hear from sarah atkinson she's talking about this really interesting survey i want to and aiden severs that boy can teach he is up after mr parkinson and of course if you want to follow him on twitter or commune with him he's at ic to underscore mr p he's up next get into school radio for less the anderton tiger hub for under three thousand pounds andertontiger.com forward slash hub We're back with Lee Parkinson. He's still on the line in his motorway services. Thanks very much. And he's at under- <laughs> he is at ICT underscore Mr. P. And he is a legend in his own lunchtime. Uh, tell me, Lee, about your videos, because that's what, again, caught my eye. The, 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 the walks of life in a lifespan of a teacher were just hilarious, walking and backwards and forwards with the, the, the photocopier there. How useful has your video material <laughs> been to, to, to get your kind of ideas and some of your processes out to people how useful has that been well i think it's just the sort of it's definitely uh helped me get more exposure to teachers so some of the videos they seem to just uh have, have just gone mega across sort of different social media platforms mm. facebook youtube yeah. uh twitter so i think it sort of brings a lot of teachers to my social media platforms and then from there uh, they find the blog, they find some of the ideas, they see some of the courses and the conferences that I'm I'm, I'm doing. And, and, and yeah, it was interesting. I did get book, booked in to do a keynote at a, a conference once. And when I spoke to them, I said, oh, so what, what sort of got, you know, how, how did you get aware of what? Oh, we saw one of your funny videos on, on Facebook. And I was like, so you booked me for a conference because you saw a funny video <laughs> I did. Um, and, and, and then they were like, yeah. And, you know, anyway, luckily the feedback from that conference was really popular. They booked me in for the next the year after. So a um, bit of a risk on their behalf. But, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, uh, I found it quite quite funny. So, yeah, just I think it's, it's it, life as a team. One thing that I've learned from sharing a lot of that, that sort of content online is just how universal life as a teacher is. It's not just what it's like in the classrooms in England. I get messages from teachers in Australia, in America, uh, all around the world who just say, you know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head with whatever the subject of the video is. So, um, you know, it, is, it's, it fascinates me and, 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 it, and it, I never get used to it. So we were in, um, we were in Belfast last, last weekend doing some work there and we were out on a Saturday night in a restaurant and um, just, just having our, our, our dinner and Across the room, this this girl said, oh, it's Mr. P. And the whole restaurant sort of turned. And, and I was like, oh, and, you know, oh, I love your stuff. And asking me for a selfie, which, um, yeah, I never get hey, used to. But you've made it, you've made it. it. You know, it's, well, that's really good. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, lucky. You're very photogenic. You, there's, a, there's a certain look about you, a, a doody wear <laughs> look about you, which I think is really good. You've certainly not got a face for radio uh, like the rest of us. Uh, and I think you're doing really well. Uh, how many views are we up to with this uh, walks of a teacher, which I find so funny? How many, how many views? Uh, ooh, um, at, at the weekend, it had gone past a million on facebook <clears throat> the word you need to be using Which, there lee is know. viral it's gone viral matey well that's, yeah that's that's i did ask my stepson i said i said what makes about how many views 
And I was, he was like, I reckon about a million. And I was like, oh, yep. I've got a million on this video. Yep. And he was like, no way. Yeah, I'm saying no way like, as well, Lee. I'm your videos? Just You're not his... cool. <laughs> That's really good. And you can't click at home because it doesn't, it doesn't rank up the, um, it doesn't stack up the, uh, the, the, the playlists. It's, uh, you'll need separate views from different IP addresses. So you can't, you can't even, you know, fake yeah. your popularity there, which is really good. And um, can I just, um, draw, <laughs> uh, turn your attention now to kind of challenges for colleagues? So, uh, looking ahead over the next year, um, thank goodness we've had something really interesting from yeah. Ofsted today, which is really good. They don't speak very often, but at least there's some acknowledgement that, that colleagues are just bashing their head against the testing system. And young people who don't yeah. do well in tests are, are clearly being marginalised in that space. But also kind of challenges going Absolutely. forward. I mean, how, how can we better equip? How can we get more people into the joys of reading? The whole conference uh, today is all about, you know, how we engage our young folks in that and and i think we've moved past a hey let's have some nice furry carpet and some spongy seats and put some bunting up and hey that'll Mm. just do it for us that worked once it's not working now what else do we need to do lee well there's a few things i think uh there's a lot of stuff that goes beyond the subject of english i think you know um i'll have to read what i've said there i mean i've said putting a lot of documentation out not just about uh, the curriculum but you know, things like workload and mm. their expectations when they come into school. Mm. And, you know, for me, what needs to change is this mindset around Ofsted. I think there's still that fear mm. around Ofsted and, you know, the, the dread if you, if you get the call. Um, and so there, I come across a lot of schools who are still doing a lot for Ofsted and Ofsted are making that clear that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. Um, but what I think the, the problem is at the minute is the message that Ofsted are putting out there isn't filtering into senior leadership in a lot of schools. Mm. So as far as workloads concerned, there's still a lot of issues in schools. So that sort of mindset needs to change. Mm. Um, I think the use of technology in a lot of my training, what, not, not so much what I'll be sharing on Saturday, but a lot of the training that I do in school now is a, is a lot about using technology to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. How can we utilize this technology to make our life a little bit, you know, a lot easier and sort of streamline a lot of, the, of what we're doing to, to free up our time? Yeah. You know, because you look at you look at some schools where uh, and some teachers especially where so you know, you think of how much money is being made off a lack of teachers' time. Mm. Where a teacher would quite happily pay for a resource that if they were had the time to do themselves yeah. would be better, would be a better resource. So I think we've got to look at how we're best spending our time as staff. Um, you know, because when it comes to reading, are we simply picking up a textbook and doing a comprehension or have you had the time to pick a text that you connected with yourself? Mm. So when you're sharing that text with the children, that sort of passion, that enthusiasm comes across. Mm. And because you've had the time not filling out a planning pro forma to please what you think SLT one or Ofsted one, yeah. you're actually developing well thought out questions that you've been able to put your own sort of personality across and make authentic to you and your children. You know, that's going to have more of an impact. So. I think there are, there are definitely discussions to have about, you know, how we're best spending our time. Can we utilise technology to make our life easier? Because yeah. that will have a direct impact on the quality of the teaching and learning and the impact that will have on, on the young people in our classrooms. Brilliant. One of the themes that definitely coming out from my conversations today with colleagues here is the kind of de- gender gap which is continuing to widen 
and so boys and girls how mm-hmm. how, do, how do we appeal more to boys it would appear that um some authors are under pressure from their publishers uh, to write for a certain gender and that's not uh, meeting yeah. the needs of our of colleagues on the grassroots teaching level and we need to find ways engaging mm-hmm. boys uh, is that still an issue with your travels do you agree with that and have you got a plan um yeah i think i think schools a lot of schools have that as a as a target you know and and um you know i've, I've, I've uh, worked with a lot of schools and and i think you know boys they do engage uh, with with things like techno- and i honestly think um some of the read write perform stuff definitely appeals to the boys mm. and gets them gets them on on side and i think I'll, you know you'll see that in the session on 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 saturday is that you know it can really really appeal to the more reluctant boys because it's all about purpose yeah you know my big thing both myself and john it's got to be purposeful it's got to be purposeful beyond it being on a curriculum beyond it being on a tick list you know the children have to see the purpose in it themselves and that for me is where i focus my use of tech and you know where you know if we're, if we're reading this text why are we reading it what can it help us to do how can it impact our writing how can we use what we've read there from these amazing authors and magpie and actually implement it into our writing and then what makes the read write perform approach really unique is that mm. the writing doesn't end there what mm. the children do in their books isn't the ending point because the teacher's going to mark it yeah. it's about how can we use this technology now to allow children to bring it to life to perform it apply all those key digital literacy skills in a real authentic way all the sort of fluency the spoken language objectives that link in and then obviously using things like the internet as a way of sharing it with a with a global audience so um so yeah, I think definitely this. This uh, we get a lot of feedback from teachers who are saying it really, uh, you know, engages the boys and gets them going. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, uh, Lee. Right now, I'm doing my radio presenter walk when I've had a darn good conversation with someone <laughs> knows what they're talking about. It's been an absolute hoot and a half oh, chatting you. with you. They are very lucky to have been oh, in brilliant. your seminar today, and I wish you the very best of luck. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, listeners. You've been chatting to me. No, thank you for with having the, me. You're very welcome. My absolutely very very welcome, my friend, uh, Lee uh, Parkinson. He is on Twitter. That's all you need to know. You can find everything from there. His blog links are all on his Twitter profile there. He is at ICT underscore Mr. P. And Mr. P, thanks for joining us on Reading Rocks Live. Now, thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Turn up the bass! Yeah, this your boy Akon. You're listening to Russell Prue, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Yes, so. Hey guys, I'm Kyle. Hey, what's up? I'm Dylan Francis. I don't understand what's going on here. Ah, oh, he's so duty in his own lunchtime, listeners. The time's just gone half past two. We are still cooking on gas here at Reading Rocks 2017. There's so much more to come. Frank Cottrell Boyce, the writer of Goodbye Christopher Robin, as well as Sarah Atkinson and Aidan Severs. At That Boy Can Teach, he is up next. Don't go anywhere. But I just wanted to kind of position the radio station. It's exactly what we're doing here, live broadcast here. And uh, listening to all of our contributors, thank you so much, all of you, for your brilliant contributions and to the keynotes that are going on, which are just a few doors away from uh, where I've set the studio up here uh, in the school here, is that uh, children need to read out allowed there is lots of colleagues saying that's absolutely what they need to do and i would absolutely echo that 
However, there are some young people who are just, that is just too scary and it's not a proposition that they can contemplate. However, having a radio station, having a microphone, having the child speak into or read out aloud with the headphones on and a microphone is a lovely solution it gives what i call privacy to broadcast it gives them a private relationship between their voice and their headphones and they're just talking to themselves where in actual fact you might have the entire school listening or in some of my other online radio stations like westwood radio the entire community listening in their hundreds to a live broadcast it's not so scary it's not as scary as reading to the class where you're kind of being judged in real time in a physical proximity to the audience, whereas the radio gives you a voice only, a lovely way to hear yourself, practice your speech and language skills, and at the same time, not scare yourself to death by being on a stage that can come later if you so wish it but there are lots of young people who actually go through the school system having just spoken into a microphone but got all the benefits of being on stage and i think that's a really really very important learning outcome from today it sort of positions this uh, really nicely and i'm really enjoyed listening to colleagues as well uh, time to head over and hear what at that boy can teach has to say about that keep the text coming keep the tweets coming I'm really loving it. Simon Kidwell is uh, texting where I had a lovely conversation with him as well. Ian, you're so very, very kind. And Mr. P really enjoyed uh, his interview. And, and lots of uh, back-channel chat around Mary Roach's contribution as well. And I like that very much. That's kind of offline back-channel chatting. Really useful, colleagues. And this can live beyond the broadcast today. It can go on for the rest of this year. And as long as you like into the future, where colleagues can continually ask each other, connect with each other, and kind of share this really good practice. Loads still to come on today's live show. It's just coming up to 25 minutes to three. I hope the roads are nice this afternoon. The weather is not going to be nice, but I I hope the M6 is running nicely because I have an appointment I absolutely have to get to. Um, There's still lots to do here, and I'm in no means moving out of the door just yet, although packing up is so much quicker with the new reporter, I have to say. Um, I do spend less time <laughs> faffing around with the technology, and that's really good news. Good news. Uh, Aidan Severs is up next. This is Reading Rocks 2017, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Hi everyone, I'm SF Said, and you're listening to Reading Rocks now with Russell Proof. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. Listeners, my next guest live on the telephone is Aidan Severs, but you won't know that name. You will know him as At That Boy Can Teach. Aidan, welcome to Reading Rocks Live, matey. How are you today? Thank you very much. I'm good, thanks. Very good. A pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time of your busy life to give us uh, an interview ahead of the event. I'm really very grateful. Just tell the listeners a little bit Thanks about your intervention. What are you doing? What are you talking about in your workshop? So in my workshop, uh, I've called it the moreness of reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be looking at what the purpose of reading is and perhaps thinking about um, a purpose to reading that we might not automatically think of. Okay. Um, so, so a lot of people would say reading is for enjoyment. And that's correct. A lot of people would say it's to learn stuff. That's also correct. But I'm going to look at what else reading does for us, particularly looking at um, how it develops empathy. Mm. 
and how we can use that in schools to um, to cover and contribute towards our RE mm. curriculum, uh, PSHCE mm. and RSE curriculum. So all those uh, lovely acronyms that we like to have at school. Um, yeah, just just to think about how books might might change us as people, I suppose help to shape the world that we live in. And does that have more to do with the book, its title, whether it is illustrated, who the author is, or the way in which it's presented to the young person? What are the contributing factors for that, Aidan? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there are probably authors who more deliberately aim to write about uh, issues, um, you know, such as to do with identity, differences, um, maybe religion culture those sorts of things there's definitely authors out there deliberately doing it but i sat down and started to write a book list of books that i'd like to wave about at people's faces for Mm -hmm. 30 minutes in my workshop okay um and kind of looking back over the things that i've been reading i was almost finding in in every book i could find something that that i could use perhaps with a class with with a child uh, that would cover something something you know uh, we we call our our curriculum that covers all that stuff the heart mind and soul yep. curriculum and it's I think a lot of books do that um, some deliberately so others just because they're telling a a story about humans or even animals um, mm. there is that in it naturally mm. what are the biggest challenges you're facing at the moment in school <sighs> in terms of reading yeah or? in terms of reading yeah. yeah. Mm. Is there engagement, the, engagement the across of, the age ranges? Is there the equal yeah. engagement or are there some difficulty hard to reach year groups? I think I think at our school we're, we're doing quite well, really, okay. um, with engaging children with reading. Um, I'm really um, pleased to say that a lot of our staff sort of actively engage themselves in reading children's books themselves so they sure. do know about them. There's a culture of sharing them. Um, this this one works really well. This was a great book, um, and that sort of thing. So I think we've we've we're doing quite well with getting children engaged in reading. I mean, for us, it's the boring side of things, really, in terms of helping them to to be able to comprehend the books mm. in the test style. So you know, written questions, written sure. answers, that sort of thing. Yeah, those, those... Um, our, our children, a lot of them, um, uh, English is an additional language for them. Okay. And it's, it's the vocabulary side of things that, that we're looking to really enrich. What about their reading stamina? That's kind of a term that's being bounced around a lot at the moment. The, the Key Stage 2 tests are significant and represent quite a challenge to young people. It's an hour's work. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm hearing throughout some of the interviews that a bit of a theme of the conference as well, that we're quite concerned as educational professionals that the young people we're dealing with just don't have the stamina to cope with that amount of reading. How, how, do, we, how do we prepare for that race? Yeah, I think I think that's uh, something I've been thinking about. One of our, we actually found that with our key stage one test as well. There was one oh, right. text on there that was twice as long as anything that we'd sort of give them normally. Wow! Um, and they they struggle, like you say, with the stamina on that. And and the same for the the key stage two test. You know, you've got three texts, three sets of questions. Yeah, like you say, an hour, and it's a lot to do with well. You know, the old way was you had 10 minutes to read and then you got your 
answer paper. Now sure. it's how do you manage that? Do you read one text, one question? <laughs> do you sort of read the questions alongside the text, read the questions first? Mm. In terms of stamina for the tests, it's kind of, you know, just, just practice on that sort of thing. Yeah. But one thing that I've been thinking about recently, we use a lot of, and, and I love doing this, but we use a lot of whole novels to teach um, the reading skills. Mm. Uh, and you've got buy-in there. You've got kids who love the book, who want to read more, who want to dig into it. Mm. Whereas when they come to the test, there's three cold te- texts. They've not experienced them before. They've they've not got that buy-in. There's not that desire to want to read it, apart from to to do the test. Mm. Um, so think, thinking more about how in classrooms we need to make sure that we do provide them with that wide variety of different texts and not just always base it on the beloved class novel. Or, or the um, approved text model that the, the test is about, because you, yeah. uh, you can only do that so many times. It's about like preparing yeah, exactly. for a marathon, I guess, as well. I just wondered if you, you had a magical <laughs> solution, Aidan, whether you, you kind of say, wow, we found that if they read outside, they're a bit more engaged, or if they read to classical music, or if they... It's those kind of silver bullets, or those, those good pieces of good practice... I'm kind yeah. of li- listening out for and tuned into and just trying to hear wh- whether there's anything that you're doing that's different and working better for you than it is for others would be really quite interesting. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I honestly think, you know, we we don't we don't go in for reading outside or anything like that. Not that we're against it, but the one thing that we have done as a school is invested in really quality books. Mm. Um and we've got sort of class sets of those so that maybe about 20 books. Uh, so the children have them, but they are really, really good books, and that that is what grabs the kids. That's what engages them the most. If it's if it's well written, if the story's good, if it's original, um, the, the kids are enjoying it and they're wanting to read. And that's that's for me. That's the best silver bullet there is. Brilliant. Well, that's good advice as well. I wish you all the very best for your uh, successful workshop and I hope you get lots of applause and it's been really good to chat with you. Listeners, you want to follow this young man? He is at That Boy Can Teach. All one word, very simple. You'll see that he has a shed load of followers. He's very popular and is you are just very good. Always very interesting and always um, never stuck for something constructive to say. Aidan, thanks very much. It's been great to talk to you. <laughs> Thank thanks. you very much. Pleasure. Thanks for joining us you. live on Reading Rocks Live. Thanks a lot, matey. Goodbye. This is Reading Rocks 2017, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rocks Now with Russell Crew. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. Uh, listeners, I, w- I like to bring you interesting, innovative things, and and I've come across a colleague here who is uh, in charge of a survey, and we want to just talk a little bit about that. I have in the studio with me Sarah Atkinson. Now she's from First News, and this really interesting survey is about barriers to literacy and reading, and it's being run by the research being run by First News, who are a sponsor of the event as well. And I'm delighted to welcome Sarah to the live show. Sarah, thanks very much for joining us. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. 
Leslie, I've got, I've got my back to you, but I'm afraid it's the only way I can lay the, the studio out today as well. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about the survey and, and what's the thinking behind it, please? Well, at First News, we're really keen to support teachers in getting all children to become readers. Um, and we wanted to find out a bit more about what was the things that teachers found as barriers to that. Um, so that's why we've put the survey together. Brilliant. OK, and it's a really easy. It's a URL. We'll give that out right now. It's first.news forward slash survey. Head over there. What are they going to find if they arrive at that URL? Um, well, it's a survey that will ask some questions about a little bit about themselves so that we can do some demographic work and know which, which areas of the country they're of course, from and things. But also um, it to ask them about what they, their experiences are and what they found really works in the classroom mm. and what are the things that make it a bit harder. Mm. OK, what are you expecting? Do you have some preconceptions here? What do you expect? Is funding an issue? I'm thinking about that particularly. Are uh, uh, influx of uh, people who hear English as an additional language, are those kind of challenges? What, do you know what you're looking for already? Well, we do have some ideas. But of course, actually, what we'd really want to hear from is the teachers themselves, because we don't want to take our preconceptions and get those repeated no. back to us. No. So we're looking for exactly what the experience is um, on the cold faces, I'd say, in the classroom and what's making a difference there. Um, we might be surprised that we might have those um, thoughts, those preconceptions confirmed, Good. but we want to really find out what it is that's going on. Well, I like the fact you've got an open mind there. Otherwise, we'd call this a government inquiry, wouldn't we, really? <laughs> if they already, because you only have one of those when you know what you're expecting to find. <laughs> exactly. So I did promise the listeners lots of jokes and gags against the government and there's just no stopping me really on this as well i'm really good what prompted the survey what what's what's really thinking behind it well we were looking at what we could do at first news to make um, our resources and our activities even better and also to find out about how they could be used most effectively in schools mm. um, and i think that's what we wanted to do is to see what it was that um, teachers were coming up against um, and how we could improve to, and what we do to help to help support that no, and I know also, just to kind of wrap this up, that um, you're very grateful for anyone's contribution and their time and their input in here. There is, in fact, a draw. There's a prizette. Tell me some there more about that. There is indeed. So we know that we want... <laughs> exactly. We are obviously uh, hoping to inspire people to join in and to answer the survey. So we're giving away £100 of Amazon vouchers and wow. a Kindle Fire to uh, one person who completes our draw. So please hurry up, hurry along and complete that, that survey Brilliant. Well, that begs the question of the closing date. When, how, when do you want this information? information in fairly quickly I suspect. That's right we've been running the survey since the beginning of the term and we're hoping to wrap up the results by half term so as soon as possible would be great. Okay a couple of more weeks then colleagues so get yourself across to first.news forward slash survey and if you're struggling with that that's http full colon forward slash forward slash first.news forward slash survey it'll run on your mobile it'll run on a desktop it'll run on anything get over on there and fill the form out because that's really useful stuff particularly for for our subject and our topic and our profession that really useful sarah it's been a real real pleasure having you in the studio chatting live with sarah atkinson from first news thanks for joining us thank you hey this is justin bieber this is gwen stefan hi this is madonna what's up you guys it's Nicki minaj with russell prave Then hit the spot live on the Anderton Tiger Network. Uh, just coming up. <clears throat> oh, do excuse me, listeners. I'm so sorry. 
mouthful of pasta in my mouth <coughs> and a frog in my throat, which is a bad combination of two things as well. I have to say the nosh is very good here. Some of the best conference nosh I've had for a long time. A lovely, lovely vegetarian um, pasta bake. Thank you so much indeed, Heather Wright, uh, for making that absolutely possible. And thank you uh, to Mrs. McFarlane as well. Really kind. Um, 12 minutes to two. Um, that's what I was just about trying to say. Uh, Frank Cottrell Boyce is up in just a few seconds. I'm still waiting for SF Saeed, uh, who is being marched nicely from his keynote into the studio where, he's, where his lunch is also waiting. So I'm fairly certain he's going to arrive on time because this is where the hot food is. It's a good technique of mine. People follow the food generally. I want to catch up with him before we uh, clear the skies of our show and just kind of just touch off with uh, uh, some of the topics there as well. Uh, Mary, thank you very much indeed. I had a tweet from Mary. She's asking, when can she hear this again? She's very keen and uh, rightly so. Uh, this will be available after Monday on my SoundCloud site and you can simply just go to www.soundcloud.com forward slash Russell Prue and it'll be the top of my SoundCloud list. I will be tweeting about it and Heather will put something I think on the um, Reading Rocks website where you can go click and listen to the whole show but without the copyright music. Have to take the copyright music that I've played in my show out of that broadcast. It's not a difficult job, just needs to be done. And then I'm going to take the whole of the show and repeat it every Friday live on my stream. So just come across to andertontiger.com forward slash listen or click on any of the listening icons where you can hear that before as well. Uh, thanks very much Ian that's very nice of you to say so it's a particularly nice bed um, he's commenting on the, the bed in the background there uh, just come on across to my live stream and you can hear the whole of the show including all the copyright music repeated again every Friday and we'll do that uh, for the foreseeable future so you can enjoy the whole ambiance the music selection because I think we actually slipped some particularly nice music in the Mary Roach's interview which I think you'll find particularly uh, enjoyable and it's just nice to hear the whole thing as it was in and I can do that on a repeat every Friday, listeners. But if you want the show in its bits and you want to link to bits and you want to pull bits out, it's really easy to do on SoundCloud. You can just use the share uh, character facility in there. Give the timeline index time code and then share that to a link. And then when you double click on that link, it'll play from that part rather than playing the whole file. And that's why I like SoundCloud so much. And that's why I'm a pro user on SoundCloud. Right. It's Frank Cottrell Boyce. He is up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Reading Rocks 2017. Broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rock Now with Russell Proof. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. Listeners, so pleased to have the amazing Frank Cottrell voice live on the telephone. He's not sounding his very best. Frank, what on earth has happened to your voice, sir? I've mutated into Tom Waits. <laughs> <laughs> I did um, I did a big event uh, yesterday afternoon at Chapman Book Festival. Kind of went a bit over the top, I think, and destroyed my vocal cords in the attempt to entertain 600 kids. But it was great fun. 
Oh, and a, a fabulous uh, act in its own right. Well done. Congratulations on everything you're achieving. You've, I, mean, I, I think you, you've really arrived when I'm driving to my gig that day and I hear you on Radio 2 with Christopher Evans. That is just stunning, I have to say, and amazing. And, and big, big, big congratulations with uh, Christopher Robin. Uh, just absolutely oh, stunning. And then the happiness flooded in. What a just... <laughs> A delightful piece of work, and I, I just wonder. I mean, I don't want to. Your voice is really delicate, and I'm, I'm very able to be very mindful about that. But again, here we are. A reading rocks again. Same kind of things on the plate. Um, a huge gender gap emerging, and it's getting wider. Uh, still need to do more uh, to engage boys because uh, they're just not yeah. being engaged. Those kinds of things, and I, I wonder particularly Absolutely. with the success of, uh, of Goodbye Christopher. On, how important the film of the book is now does that transform oh, things yeah that's so interesting isn't it? because i mean the f- it's it's so vexed isn't it because a film a really good film can be a gateway to reading you know it helps people i know that uh, the film of millions people use it in schools so mm. make sure that everybody knows what's going on in the book and then they read the book and the book is a much a, a different experience it's complex in other ways mm. but um but sometimes it can go horribly wrong, can't it? A, a good enough film can obliterate a, a great book. I'm really aware with um, Goodbye Christopher Robin that people, people's image, or a lot of people's image of Winnie the Pooh is the Disney one. Mm. It's not, and they were kind of expecting a creature in a little red T-shirt and a sleepy southern accent. And I'm amazed how many people don't think of Winnie the Pooh as that beautiful watercolour E.H. Shepherd sketch you know and you make a very good point there and that's when you know disney got hold of it and and did some interesting things but i I think particularly about the um the harry potter series that that was a good it got kids started but there were some other interesting agendas there that lots of librarians and colleagues weren't happy with because of the the nature of the story and the content and all the rest of it and the stories did get a little darker for some of our younger children as the the stories progressed but i'm just wondering you know how important the film is and how much you can control how much control did you have with goodbye christopher robin christopher robin Mm. i mean the thing about a film is that nobody really ever has control because the ultimate thing that has control is the weather and, <laughs> and the money and do people turn up on time and it's, it is like making a movie is like juggling soot and herding cats at the same time. You know, you're never really in control. I mean, I really wanted to make that film because to me it was, you know, we make films about drug dealers and generals and all kinds of people. It seemed really important to make a film about a children's rights. So, you know, they're the people who build souls, and they're the people who build childhood. And you know, and particularly with Winnie the Pooh, it's because it's very young when you read Winnie the Pooh. That mm. is a very, very early memory. It is yeah. if you know Winnie the Pooh, it is really part of your yeah. genetics. It is. And I wanted to sort of talk about the price that people paid to create that. You know. Yes was quite significant uh, and, and just a, a stunning well done i really just in awe of that can i just ask you a little bit about when you're writing particularly children's books do you have a gender in mind as the reader i'm just i'm trying to tease that out as a, a running theme through my my interviews this year that's such a, a, a and that's a very challenging question for me i mean when people ask writers who they write for they usually say they write for themselves mm. And I really, really don't. There's a very specific, not a demographic, but like specific faces, kids that I've read to in schools who have really responded. 
against their better judgment. Mm. I mean, there's kids, I can remember particularly, and this happened two or three times, Mm. a kid sort of towards the back row, usually a boy, usually a white boy, Mm. looking pretty glum and disengaged. And then as you're leaving school, Mm. they'll come up to you and say, that was all right, that. Mm. Or they'll offer you their Haribo. Mm. And I think, oh, I got to you. And yeah. nobody, was, nobody was expecting me to. Mm. And they're the boys that, I mean, for me, it's boys, yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean I only want to write about boys. And I think the best characters I've created are girls. And in a way, I don't worry about girls reading because I know that girls read. Mm. And I don't worry about girls getting included. But my brother is a social worker in Knowsley. Mm. And um, which is the I think the poorest borough in Britain, mm. and um, you know it's a borough that doesn't have a sixth form mm. in the whole borough. And he, he always is saying to me, you know, where did those kids ever see themselves represented? Who ever shows positive images of those kids? So I am slightly on a mission about that, really. Okay. Um, although I, you know, I do consciously try to be diverse, and I do consciously create good girl characters. But in my soul, I worry about those little boys and what's going to happen to them. Mm, brilliant. Um, your voice is, uh, you sound absolutely dreadfully poorly, but um, uh, I'm very grateful. Thank you very much for the time you've given me so far. I think you should go and find some TCP um, yes. <laughs> and gargle in the corner. Gargle it. Uh, bless yes. you, sir. I'm really, and congratulations again on your immense success. You're a real talent. I'm really pleased that <laughs> you. uh, you're doing so much for, for young men and women in our schools today. It's really good to have someone who's, you know, hit the, the big time, so to speak. And I'm just tickled pink for you. I am so made up for you. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you want to follow this absolute talent, he's brilliant and, and well worth it. Particular tweets this morning really caught my attention. I have to say it's very <laughs> interesting. Thank you so much for that. At Cottrell, uh, Frank Cottrell, I beg your pardon. So at Frank Cottrell underscore B. Frank, have yourself a great day. And thanks so much for joining us today on Reading Works Live. Thank you Live. We mustn't forget, listeners, that Frank also writes for Coronation Street on a regular basis as well as major screenplays. Just amazing. Uh, we're just a couple of minutes up to three o'clock. I'm so pleased to tell you that the fabulous, the amazing uh, SF Saeed has joined me in the studio. He is currently chomping on his lunch and he must do that uh, without any additional pressure. I want to play some music for you, particularly from the film. And, and just listening to what Frank said there, it, it would have been very easy for me to have gone and grabbed um, a Winnie the Pooh track or the wonderful thing about Tigger and Tigger's a wonderful thing and that's not at all what Goodbye Christopher Robin is about or at all what Frank was saying in his talk there and I just I just wanted to just choose something else so I went for a track this is from the Boswell sisters and Jimmy uh, Greer and his orchestra and this was a number one hit in 1935 listeners and I'm playing this on 78 simply because I can and wanted to do it it's called the object of my affection let me know what you think about it I'm playing it to you with crackles and all live on reading rocks don't go anywhere it's SF Said. he is up next this is reading rocks 2017 broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger radio network Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rock Now with Russell Proof. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. This is Reading Rocks 2017, broadcasting on the Anderton Tiger Radio Network. I want to see you. 
Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rotten Now with Russell Proof. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com. I thought you might like that, listeners. Uh, from the film Goodbye, Christopher Robin, the Boswell sisters there with Jimmy Greer and his orchestra. That was a number one hit in 1935. I suspect some of you still around um, who probably heard that first time around as well. Um, that was a 78 version of that and it was called The Object of My Affection. Just really enjoyed that. Uh, thank you very much indeed. I thought we'd just go into this piece uh, with the man's jingle himself because I'm joined live in the studio by this incredible chap SF Saeed and I love speaking to him last year and meeting him in person I'm so not disappointed the man is fabulous SF welcome to the studio thanks so much Oh, thanks for having me, Russell. Nice to meet you at last. Oh, you're very kind. You're very, very kind. Now, uh, they have enjoyed you, and uh, you were a reluctant um, uh, absorber of that piece of information, and the measure is how many people tweeted, retweeted, and said they loved you <laughs> on Twitter is a clear good indication, because um, un- unlike elections in this country, um, th- this is kind of a really true representation of how uh, the consumers are feeling, and that's really interesting. How, di- how, did, um, how did it go for you, and what were the themes because of course uh, this will be very useful for the 250 or so colleagues who weren't lucky enough to get tickets because we were oversubscribed this year so uh, just tell me a little bit about what was in your talk and so people can at least get a capture and a feeling from it please sure well um what i was really talking about i was looking back on my own development as a reader and a writer just trying to understand what it is that makes somebody become a reader and a writer, because I think that's something we're all very, very interested in. Uh, and I was reflecting on the life-changing books um, that have been part of my life, such an important part of my life. Mm. Books like The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss, oh. um, which I um, encountered at about the age of three. I remember my uncle reading me The Cat in the Hat. I just thought this was brilliant. I wished The Cat in the Hat would come to my house and smash everything up. And uh, <laughs> I thought uh, at that moment I knew I was always going to love books and stories because uh, they were so much fun anything was possible in a book and uh, I I always have loved them ever since then Um, another really big one for me uh, The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry an amazing book which was the book that taught me to read Um, I remember my mum used to read me this book every night Um, and then it felt totally natural when the night came that I realised I knew what those marks on the page meant I could actually decode them myself so um, that was a a huge life-changing book for me Um, another one was Watership Down which uh, I would say is the book that began my journey from being uh, a reader to becoming a writer Wow! that was uh, a book that totally blew me away when I was about eight and I remember thinking Oh, one day, one day, I would like to try and write something that is even half as good as this book. And that's a really big moment for me. It was the moment I first thought of myself as a writer. And the the sort of common theme with all of these, all of these books, is that none of them came to me as work. None of them came to me as something I was going to be tested on. Um, they weren't schoolwork. They were just fun. Somebody was sharing something they loved with me. You know, in the case of The Cat in the Hat, my uncle, um, he really enjoyed that book and we read it together as a kind of shared play. Um, and my mum, you know, with uh, with both Warship Down and The Little Prince, these were just books they loved themselves and were sharing with me. So I think really to summarise what I, ha- I have to say today is that, that you know, that is 
how that is the best way to learn how to read and how to love reading if somebody just shares their love for books with you and i think that is what teachers and librarians mm. um can do for all kids i was very lucky in my family reading was a big thing uh, everybody loves books and uh, uh i know that's not the case in every family no. so schools uh, and libraries are so important for that reason yeah. and, and teachers and librarians can be the adults who, who sort of model and inspire that love of reading. Um, and it was just an enormous privilege to be in a room with, you know, uh, 75 at a time of these amazing adults, teachers who mm. are the people who are introducing kids today to mm. books and, and helping them find that love of reading for themselves. So, so what a privilege to be here. Thank you. And they're incredibly enthusiastic, and, and that's really good. Uh, let me just take you back to the uncle reading mm. the book, The Cat in the Hat <laughs> there, um, Dr. Seuss. Um, and are building on the themes that are running alongside the conference here and things that I'm getting feedback from as well. How important was your uncle's reading out loud um, that enabled you to kind of buy into that? How important was that? Would, would you say he was a confident reader? Did he deliver it with all the funny voices and all the sound effects and everything? And, and let me just take this one stage further and let you think about this just a couple of seconds longer. Had he been really bad at that, would that have affected the outcome? Very interesting questions. Um, I think it's, um, well, the first thing to say is that uh, single parent family. My parents divorced when I was two. Um, my dad wasn't really into books anyway, it, it turns out. But yeah, I grew up mainly with my mum uh, and then... Uh, my uncle came to live with us for a couple of years and those years were very important to me. My uncle was only 10 years older than me. Uh, so he was a teenager and a very unruly, anarchic teenager. Uh, but to me as a three-year-old, he was incredibly cool. Uh, my uncle was uh, someone I really loved and looked up to and admired. And the fact that he seemed to love books was very, very important to me. Looking back, the fact that uh, I had a male as well as a female reading role model around I think that was probably quite significant. My mum's father, my granddad, was also hugely into books, had an amazing library, and he would show me all his fantastic books. He had a, a massive trunk that contained the entire Encyclopedia Britannica. And to me as a kid, this was like the keys to the universe are in here. you know. So, um, so I, was, I was lucky, I guess, that I had both male and female uh, reading role models. My mum, as I say, read to me every night. Yeah. And her mum was a, a massive fan of books. She was always had books on the go. So everybody on that side of the family uh, was a huge bibliophile, I guess. So it was just a big thing. Uh, as far as how my uncle read me The Cat in the Hat, um, well, I think when you're reading a picture book with quite a little kid, it's not necessarily so much about, you know, the exact... Uh, words that are on the page it's more about entering the imaginative space of the book mm. and just sort of having that experience um, going into the pictures because often there's a tension between what the words are saying and what the pictures are showing yes indeed. Uh, you know I think the best picture books often work in that gap between the two yeah. so what can you see here what's going on what do you think might happen next so that sort of thing so yeah there was a performative element I would say my uncle is a really good storyteller even now I'm entertained and amused whenever he tells me about some 
some horrible flight he's just been on and the dreadful people who are in the row behind you know he, he, he's good he, t- he does tell a good he's, story he's a good storyteller he is he's a good storyteller and, and I think and I'm not sure that all educators are good storytellers I'm sure some are really really good but I wonder whether uh, there are things that we can do to encourage them to be better storytellers and mm. it's kind of quantifying and understanding exactly what that is and what mm. it does and, and whether it's worth it because yeah. um, we can all too often spend lots of effort doing the tiniest thing but uh, colleagues are saying to me marginal gains Russell marginal gains <laughs> it's it's the tiny little thing that's having the potential for the big impact you know mm. go, go for those things that you can do mm. we, we can't change the curriculum we can't change the sats test we tried boycotting them but that didn't work <laughs> Straight the, the government still came back <laughs> we tried that didn't work uh, i don't know what else <laughs> what else mm. we can do uh, and we, we've got the key stage one um sats um from 2018 <clears throat> excuse me taken away so we haven't got that pressure and we're not going to test them to within an inch of their life before they've made it to 10 years old thank goodness um but it is still a concern. Reading stamina is still a concern for us and the conference here as well. Um, colleagues are telling me that they're concerned that kids are not doing enough of it, uh, reading that is, um, to be able to sit through the testing process. And, and I, sus- I suspect the answer I'm, I'm going to get from you is that, that they need to embrace the enjoyment, reading for pleasure, um, as as, tr- as Teresa and Mary talks about it, and you've done in the past as well, it's you know how do how do we get more of that buy-in? Do we need more really exciting authors like you? Is it the content that not avail- It's not available, or, or do educators need unscaffolded books? And you talked about picture books there really well, and, and Mary, you know, cornered that area of the topic on the show today really clearly. Mm. almost an hour bless her uh, we're talking in great detail about because it's it, it has no scaffolding it allows for english as an additional language uh, where children who are reluctant um, can enjoy the teacher doing more because the words aren't on the page I, mm. it's quite a lot there i know but mm. i'm just kind of just trying to tease some ideas yeah. out from you to see where where we go from here to improve the levels of engagement sf yeah these are these are really huge and and deep and far-ranging <laughs> questions i should say i am no kind of expert on education um i've never been a teacher who i think are the experts on education so i you know i i can't pretend i i have the answers here um all i am is somebody who loves children's literature and has dedicated his life to trying to write this stuff and somebody who in the course of that has happened to visit an awful lot of schools i do this every week during term time i'm always in schools and it really does strike me that the schools that have a reading for pleasure culture are the ones where the kids are learning the most, where mm. they are becoming real, lifelong readers and writers, because writing just comes out of reading fairly naturally if you let it. Um, the, the thing you want to do when you hear a great story is pass it on. That's what stories do. They have this amazing thing. We've been passing stories down for you know generations, thousands of years, ever mm. since they've been humans. They've been mm. doing it. so. You know, if you can get kids excited about a story. They're, they're going to start writing stories themselves. You don't have to be constantly testing them uh, to, to make them writers or readers. In fact, what you're going to do by doing that is make them hate writing and reading. Mm. Um, I tweet about this quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I really do believe uh, all the life-changing experiences I had uh, came to me as fun, not as work. Reading for pleasure, I really do believe, is something very important. I think it's important to stress that when we talk about pleasure, when we talk about fun, um, 
we're not saying that this is not serious because I think it's very easy to misunderstand that gold mm. pleasure. What's that? You know, but mm. this is the most serious thing that there is. Childhood fun is the most intense kind of. Do you remember how intense oh, childhood yes. fun? Yeah, so intense. Yes. And that is the kind of uh, intensity we get when we read for pleasure. Uh, it, it involves all our capacities: intellectual, emotional, imaginative. Uh, it goes very, very deep. This stuff, I think. Um, but we're calling it reading for pleasure because we're trying to, to make people understand that you have to allow them to have fun with it. Actually, this, if they're having fun, that's a really good sign. That doesn't mean they're not learning. That means it's going deep. When we enjoy something, it's often a sign that it's giving us some quite big benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I do advocate cultures of reading for pleasure. How can schools have cultures of reading for pleasure? Well, on the one hand, I think... Uh, you say, well, we can't necessarily change government policy. I don't know. Um, I think policies change, governments change. Uh, what doesn't change is the actual experience that happens between people and books. You know, that's been going for a long time now. We have a large body of evidence to suggest that if we really want kids to love reading, we should let them love reading, <laughs> you know, yes, read things course. that they love, of course. enable them uh, and support them to make their own choices, mm. also introduce them to things that are going to broaden their horizons, but never dismiss things that they genuinely enjoy themselves. Uh, I remember being deeply discouraged from reading comics, for example, uh, as a kid. But I think comics are a great way into literacy mm. and visual as well as verbal literacy and the mm. connections between the two. Uh, so, you know, if a kid shows enthusiasm for something that they're reading we need to support that and go with that and not turn it into something uh unpleasurable something they're going to end up hating i i I think it's as simple as that i mean or at least my take on it is i know it's a lot more complicated than that in practice it Um, it is but i think you've you've undersold yourself somewhat you are an incredibly successful author who who is clearly writing stuff that consumers wish to consume and, and that's the definition of success um and i think that you're doing what people want and therefore that gives you a voice that gives you the expertise to say well hold on a second these are really popular titles and people want to consume this content and really enjoy it and the feedback is that it's working so i think you you have an authority which really um needs to be listened to because you you know it's working for you it's really working i'm working very well i mean the the children we had here we had some year six librarians who came to join the show for part of the afternoon they've they've had to go now because i believe it's uh, there's a football match on somewhere <laughs> really don't talk to me about sports but apparently the local couple of teams these big teams uh-huh. liverpool and manchester are doing something on a pitch somewhere oh, yes. i'm not interested in any of that so uh, but they all had to go anyway a bit earlier and i'm sorry you can't meet them but they were talking really excitedly about your titles and I think that's very magical and that just shows that you're you know you're on trend and on topic so it must be working. Well, that's a that's a really it's a really moving thing to hear. Uh anytime a kid says that they've enjoyed one of my books or got something out of one of my books it's amazing. It makes all the hard work of writing them worthwhile. I put huge amounts of work into these books. Varjak Poor took me 5 years to write. Phoenix took 7. Uh, can you imagine spending seven no, years just doing endless drafts? I cannot. One book? I cannot. Uh, but it, as I say, it feels totally worthwhile when when you hear a kid say, oh, "I love that book." It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Um, but what I do hope uh, is that my books have levels. They 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 have um, they deal with what I think are big and important themes and questions that I can see now were in many of the books mm. I enjoyed so much as a mm. child myself. Books like Warship Down. When I read that as an eight-year-old, I thought, 
Ah, amazing story about rabbits, brilliant. Now I can see, you know, this book is full of politics, it's full of philosophy, mythology. Oh, it's an okay. incredibly profound book. It deals with the biggest questions of human life. Who are we? Where do we come from? How should we live? What really matters? And okay, it does it through this exciting story about a rabbit, uh, or a group of rabbits trying to survive in the wild, that uh, even a very young child could get totally absorbed in and not put down until they'd finished it. So that, I thought, was the kind of book I wanted to write myself, and what I hope with books like Varjak, Poor and Phoenix, you get the exciting pleasurable thrilling story um with Valjack, i wanted to write uh you know a story about a cat becoming a great warrior a cat learning a secret martial art known only to cats because i thought I, I wanted to read that myself i thought that would be a lot of fun you know uh, i was watching my own cat's adventures as he went out into the world i thought it was brilliant much more entertaining than anything i could see on telly um but at the same time uh, it, it just felt like quite a good way of exploring some of these big questions some of these big ideas questions about identity and belonging and meaning mm. things like that phoenix even more so i wanted to do something like star wars star wars was huge for me as a kid i remember seeing the first star wars film when i was uh, 10 years old in sure. 1977 that yeah. one they now call episode four <laughs> and you no, no it was the first as you remember as well i'm sure yes and uh, Mr. Yeah. lucas's maths is somewhat <laughs> it was very very much episode one uh, at the time. It was just Star Wars. There were no episodes. And, know, uh, but yes, that was an amazing thing. And I, I remember um, looking for things like that in children's literature and not really finding them and yeah. being surprised later that no, still nobody had really tried to do a thing like that. So that's what I was trying to do with Phoenix, something as, as pleasurable and exciting as Star Wars. But then at the same time, to use ideas from astrophysics uh, like dark matter, this invisible stuff we cannot see that apparently connects everything in the mm. universe. Everything mm. is connected by dark matter. Mm. Uh, ideas about stars, where everything comes from, where everything goes. Sure. To, to ask these big questions about the universe and our place in it. What is it? What does it mean? What does it mean that we're alive and conscious? Um, I wanted to use the idea of aliens, for example, to uh, think about the idea of difference in our own world, other worlds to talk about our own world. So I, I feel like um, people who have read my books, uh, on the one level, they, I hope, are uh, engaging with the page-turning action and adventure. I try and end chapters on cliffhangers because I love that as a reader and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Sure. I want there to be fights and chases and explosions and all the stuff I love. But then I hope it will also give them food for thought it will make them ask questions of yes. their own and it will get them thinking and uh, all the evidence i've seen visiting schools is that yes they, they do do that um visiting schools that have worked with my books i've seen extraordinary stuff that they've done um for example kids working with phoenix have then gone on to visit the space museum and uh, research the actual science of space and stars and yeah. dark matter and they've learned so much from that they've also um, ended up having debates about refugee issues because the aliens in Phoenix are refugees and we first meet them in an alien refugee camp. So obviously I was writing about things in the real world but through the metaphor of aliens. Um, but they've taken that and run with it and done something really inspiring and interesting with it. So I do think if you give them stuff, um, you know, kids are amazing. They will, they will do so much with it. And teachers, to me, are, are the most amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. that to me, these, the, you know, teachers and librarians... The people who 
bring books together with readers, the people who introduce us to those life-changing books. Uh, that, that to me, is the really magical and extraordinary thing that is going on here. Mm. Uh, I think authors and illustrators, obviously, we do our best, uh, we, you know, and we're, we're conscious that people are going to be reading these. But ultimately, I think our work is is deeply selfish. You know, we're actually trying oh, to write something okay. we want to write, we want to read ourselves. Okay. If I didn't want to read Phoenix myself, I could never spend seven years writing it. I know other people are going to read it, but in the end, it has to be a book I want to read. Whereas I think what a teacher is doing in the end is is something uh, way beyond that. You know, it's saying, look, here's something that you might love. This might be the book for you, the one that opens up reading for you. And it might not even be a book that teacher loves themselves, but they can see that this is going to be the book for that kid. I think that's an extraordinary thing. Of course, when it is a book that teacher loves themselves, wow, you know, yeah, that's when you yeah. get the real magic, indeed, isn't indeed. it? Um, but yeah, the people who bring together books and readers, that to me is, that's where the really inspiring stuff is going on. I know someone asked you in your talk today, what are you working on next? And you gave an answer. And I have to say that now because uh, listeners may not have been connected to that. So, uh, SF, what are you working on next? (laughs) Now. Well, appropriately, as uh, this is Anderson Tiger, uh, I'm working on a thing called Tiger. Uh, But I spell it differently with a Y, uh, as William Blake did in the poem, Tiger, Tiger, (laughs) Burning Bright, Bright. uh, which was uh, probably my favourite poem as a kid and uh, probably still is. I love that poem. Extraordinary thing. So I've been working on a project called tiger uh for nearly five years now for the first two and a half years uh i was i was working on a book called tiger um two and a half years in i realized this book was part of a series and it was actually book two really no i thought now that's really interesting i have to put it aside and write book one so i had to put aside two and a half years of work and so for the past two and a quarter years i've been writing book one and um well i'm seven drafts in and uh it's not there yet but uh, i think it's getting there i think it's getting there i'm very very excited about it i feel like this is a big step up on anything i've done before i think this is this is the big one for me so uh in some ways it's a conversation with some of my favorite books um obviously william blake and tiger also i think philip pullman's his dark materials the idea of parallel worlds i find so interesting uh so the idea of parallel worlds is there the idea of infinity is there obviously the idea of infinity is a deeply worrying thing to be writing about if you're somebody who takes years and years to write a book but i hope it won't take an infinite amount of time <laughs> you started to with book two that's a, a yeah. bit of a george lucas numbering thing coming into- no you're absolutely right that's <laughs> dreadful isn't it uh, but at least at least i realized at least i realized before it went out into the world and then step back and did book one well at least you got your second title now almost under, mm. under, or was, is that going to be another few years i'm afraid i'm afraid almost everything in that is wrong but uh <laughs> I, but I have, i've discovered i've discovered that i'm gonna to have to rewrite almost all of it but i don't think the work is wasted all my experience with writing leads me to believe even if it feels like you're blundering about uh and just getting everything wrong it is all part of the process it does all somehow feed in at the end so i think it i think it will be quicker for it and i think possibly this one book one uh is going a bit quicker because of all the work i did on book two which i've now put aside book three only exists as some notes okay uh i don't know and but i think there may be more i think uh recently i've i've taken to describing this as a, an open-ended fractal series which is uh even more worrying than uh the idea of infinity <laughs> so uh yeah we'll see i think there are definitely three of them uh but i think there may be more one of the sequences that i love most is ursula Le Gwynn's Earthsea books um it was originally one book then it became a trilogy mm. i think there are about six of them now mm. um every time she has an idea that fits um 
for that. She, she, she writes a new one. Sometimes 10, 20 years can go by. Uh, I think that's amazing. I love those books. I think they're phenomenal. I'd recommend them to absolutely anybody. Sure. Um, but that's, I think, going to be my approach with Tiger, that um, there's a sort of world or multiverse there that could be explored in a lot of different ways and i'm kind of looking forward to playing around with that and seeing where it goes but there i think there are are definitely going to be three of them so and book one let's hope will not be an infinitely receding horizon (laughs) just brilliant and it's a good example as well when someone as skilled as yourself has to kind of scrap and redraft and read and rewrite and and for young people who are you know struggling to write for themselves that's a really good example sf it's really good for young people to go well you know the the experts get it wrong sometimes and have to redo and it's okay it's kind of you know we we don't celebrate failure anymore and that's a real shame i think it's really important to talk about this stuff because i don't think enough people do there's a kind of myth of genius that you know a book just comes out perfect no that is not true i've met an awful lot of other writers now and you know we talk about our processes there is no writer who can write a perfect book in one go it just doesn't happen like that um books are far too complex you cannot get it all right uh the first time the most experienced writer i've ever met is probably jacqueline wilson uh, an amazing brilliant writer she has done more than 100 books i love her books even she told me she does usually two drafts and the rest of us do more uh not everybody does 17 like i do but you you can be sure if you're reading and enjoying a book uh it didn't just happen like that and yes i think kids uh, are often really surprised to hear that um yeah so what i often say to them is okay on your first draft um i think you should allow yourself to have fun forget about the fact that anybody else is ever going to read this um this is not something for anybody else this is something for you write a story you actually want to read yourself uh, and just have fun tell yourself the story then get some distance on it come back look at it again but when you do here's the secret pretend you didn't write it pretend somebody else wrote it and then just see as a reader what do you actually think Mm. how could this writer have made this thing better whatever it is how could they have pushed it further if it's meant to be funny how could they have made it funnier meant to be scary how could it be scarier exciting how could it be so exciting that you just couldn't stop reading whatever you find push it and push it and keep on pushing and i find they get that when you talk to kids about writing like that they kind of understand it's not punitive nobody is saying to you look this is terrible you are terrible you are bad you've produced bad work you have to correct it no it's not about that it's simply about trying to bring out the very very best that it can possibly be and if you genuinely want to read this thing yourself of course you want it to be the best it can be don't you want every book to that you read to be Mm. the best one ever isn't that what your secret hoping for every time this one could be a harry potter this one could be a jacqueline wilson like an amazing book watership down or or star wars forget books just stories you want this to be the best story ever um so that's how i encourage them to think about it and i've certainly seen amazing work done uh in schools uh with with stories whether they're stories that um start from just that question what Mm. would you most want to read yourself or i've seen amazing stories that have been based on on my stories which i think is uh an enormous honor um some of the first stories i ever wrote were based on other people's work i wrote star trek stories at school uh that i put my friends into um just to entertain myself but i've seen uh brilliant varjack poor stories written in schools phoenix stories i think that's great you know take something that already exists and make more of it why not it's a great way to learn how stories work so whatever it is whatever it is that works for that kid encourage them to do it and and have fun with it and then try and learn this skill of just 
step back mm. and just ask yourself how could the writer have done more with this what what would you what do you wish they had done more of and and i think that way it becomes less punitive and it becomes less uh, critical or judgmental and it's more about okay how can we get more out of this i say this very glibly now uh, obviously when my editor comes back to me with 25 pages of notes my first reaction is no you may wish to revise that as well it's really good and 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 thank you so much i feel that we're having sf said unplugged up close and personal yeah. And because we're live listeners, we can just now go out onto the um, onto Twitter and kind of see there. So uh, people are saying fascinating interview. Great to hear SF say talking about his memories of reading. And I think that's that kind of exposes you a little. And I like that very much. And thank you for your, your kind and generous way in which you've done that. Love the way uh, what uh, this is your Twitter handle, of course. And if you're not following this gentleman, ladies and gentlemen, you need to. It's at what SF said or said. That's yeah. kind of funny. The play on words. See what he's doing. Very clever there. Uh, love the way uh, uh, what SF said um said said um is so enthusiastic about books and reading for engaging young people and that's really good and lots of people still continuing to enjoy this uh, and retweeting that as well and superb advice for young story writers uh from sf uh about writing for pleasure to bring out the best we can uh, produce thank you ian rocky head teacher from a primary school in wiltshire there um commenting as well obviously you know not here with us and and people doing that thank you so much indeed i, I really do feel we've got inside your head somewhat and <laughs> I hope that's been useful and i'm very grateful because we've we've uh, enjoyed your your participation and your your patronage and it's been really good to support the conference in this way it has developed enormously we've certainly outgrown the school that's for sure uh, 250 people waiting to get here and we just don't have the accommodation so we're going to be somewhere else next year and um and that's a really good thing because this is growing and it's growing because it's customer led and there's a, a thirst and appetite and enthusiasm for touching and feeling and hearing uh, people like yourselves expertise and good advice from uh, researchers and people who are leading the field in the kind of science of, uh, of of reading writing and listening and just getting people engaged in that thank you so much again uh, for, for for coming here and being part of our show it's been a real pleasure well, thank you total pleasure chatting live here with the fantastic SF Said. If you want to follow him, he's really simple, at um, what SF Said or said what SF said on Twitter. Just follow me. He's, he's in my list and you'll see uh, I'm following him as well. Uh, thank you very much indeed for him as well. I'm really, really pleased. Time to wrap the show up now. It's just gone 3.30. It's 3.32. 28 minutes coming up to 4 o'clock. We are very grateful for your company. Uh, thank you very much indeed. The whole of this show will be available to download and consume on demand just as soon as i can take the music out just head across to soundcloud.com forward slash russell prue or one word that and then i'm going to repeat the whole show with its music and all the faux pas all the mistakes the the uh, the audio telephone link uh, mess up that i'm guilty of and charged uh, accordingly <clears throat> this morning I, that will all be in its entirety every friday on the anderson tiger radio thank you so much indeed i'm gonna to have to finish with this guy's jingle because it's just awesome you've been listening Listening to me, Russell Prue, reading Rock 17. Join us next time. Go to the website for all the next details. There are some more conferences coming up. We're heading over to Liverpool soon and we'll be doing another conference down south. It's a bit easier for colleagues to get to if you didn't want to travel up here. It's been good for your company. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a great show. Catch you next time. This is Reading Rocks 2017, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. Hi everyone, I'm SF Saeed and you're listening to Reading Rotten Now with Russell Fruit. Get in touch with Russell right now. Send an email to studio at andertontiger.com.
on the Anderton Tiger Radio Network with Russell Prey. Banging chains to hit the spot with Russell Prey. I know what you said, so I 